Good evening and welcome back to 4K Kings. I am Russ. I'm Matt. And this week, we're going to give you everything you need to know in Blu-ray and physical media news, including Rambo, Child's Play, some Kino announcements, Arrow, and more. And we're also going to continue our new segment on recommendations. So if you haven't subscribed already, make sure you do that. Get notified for our future videos and keep supporting sunglasses. We're here again. I feel like it's been a long time since we've been together. I do too, man. A lot's going on. It's been a few weeks. Johnny Depp saved man. He did. Men Men are back on top again. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Johnny Depp, for keeping the patriarchy going strong. Real quick, the funniest little thing I saw about this, because we're not going to talk about it, uh, was somebody put a quote. He was like, you'll always remember this as the time you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Beautiful. Very beautiful. Um, so, yeah. So, as Russ mentioned, we are 4K Kings. We are here covering all the movies we love. We focus on physical media and all that good stuff. Yes. If you are uh, watching this on YouTube, you could be listening to this on Spotify. And if you're listening to us now on Spotify, please come and check us out on YouTube. Please. Um, Last week, in case you missed it, we covered Pitch Black. We covered Edge of Tomorrow. We revived Tom Cruise's career by talking about Edge of Tomorrow. Um, Basketball. Didn't really do so well, but you know, there's, there's, there was a lot of basketball love for the few people that did enjoy that. Basketball is a title. I'm telling you, it's a slow burn. That's a, you'll just be searching around YouTube one day. Hey, I want to hear somebody talk about basketball and there aren't hundreds of videos about it. There's one and, we, and we've got it. Yes. Um, we also talked about our recommendations and a bunch of other stuff. So if you have missed any of that, please check it out. Uh, let us know what you think. The full uncut conversation that we had as well as up there currently. And we're also going to be this week going through some of our questionable pickups. What, what does that mean, Matt? It means movies we bought that people are going to think we're dumb for buying or movies that are probably objectively terrible, but we like them for some reason. And believe me, we have many more to go. So if uh, if, if you guys like that segment, let us know. We, <laughs> yes, the we, hundreds of them. I'd say the majority of my collection I'd consider questionable <laughs> yes, pickups. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, ton, ton of blue news this week. So we have a lot to cover. Uh, to, but before we get started, just a couple of updates that I wanted to make sure we mentioned. As I said a moment ago, we revived Tom Cruise's career by uh, covering our Edge of Tomorrow video. The world saw it, and then they said, "You know, we forgot about you, Tom Cruise. We got to go see Top. We got to go see Top Gun Maverick." Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time when we talked about it, there was only a steelbook from Best Buy announced. No details on it. Not even really actu- um, updated cover art. But since then, that has been updated, as well as our good friends at Zavi putting out their version of Edge of Tomorrow in their ultimate collector's edition steelbook. Look at this bad boy. That looks nice. It sure does. I mean, you got this nice package that goes around the steelbook, then all the nice little booklets and posters that would come Uh, with a release like this. They have the Emily Blunt propaganda poster included. They do. I wish it said Full Metal Bitch on there, but it doesn't. That's what it says in the posters in the movie. I feel like that had to be censored. I feel um, like you have to be censored. I may. I may. But uh, coming in at fifty one ninety nine, 
I don't mind that price, but I would have liked, I don't know, $44.99. I was about to say, don't they typically it's around $44.99? Yeah, they I were... mean, that's not too much of a... I don't know. It, it's, it seems a little... I have to go back on my, my previous purchases. It's not nothing like 55 like other Arrow things that come out, but um, I'm just excited to have it. I'm excited to have it in that nice box. So is this essentially the same feature wise as the Best Buy one we covered or is Zavi giving us any exclusive content? Zavi's not giving us any exclusive content. They're just giving you that exclusive box and tchotchkes that go along with it. Mm. Um, but you're getting the same, that steelbook art is the same that Best Buy has as well. Mm. So that's coming out August 1st. I think the Best Buy version is going to come out like a few weeks prior. So if you're interested in getting something that's a little bit more robust for your edge of tomorrow, live, die, repeat, Emily Blunt, Tom Cruise, action-packed sci-fi fest then check this one out august 1st is it limited it does not say limited on here interesting it doesn't say limited on here so i don't know take your chances um one other update um from arrow i saw a couple of interesting things this this week from arrow i don't know if you had seen any of these things or not russ you tell me if you did um but Last week, we talked about how there was a little bit of a flub with the art on one of those releases that they had put out in comparison to a Criterion version of the same, not yes. the same movie, but a different movie, but they had kind of had very similar art. And we there was a tweet that a guy from Arrow had put out just saying, I don't know how we missed this. We're going to make this right and all this stuff. Well, this week, that same dude, I think it's Fran, maybe it's a woman, I'm not sure, um, said that, hey, this is my last day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they've been there for 12 years and they're apparently g- moving on to do their own thing. They're starting their own label. I'm moving on to do my own thing instead of ripping off other covers. Yes, <laughs> basically. Um, they're very nice in their tweet. You know, it's a very humble tweet and so forth. But then they go on to plug, you know, their their thing that they're getting ready to do, which is called a film films radi- film radiance. Arrow will continue to release amazing films, but hope you'll check in on my future endeavors at Films Radiance, where I'll be focused on uh, Blu-ray disc releases, Blu-ray releases of more favorites and discoveries with a slightly different bent to Arrow. It's empty now, but I'll be adding things as they get done. So so a little bit of a uh, exodus at Arrow. Got people leaving, starting their own companies. And then... Zavi. Exodus at Zavi. Exodus at Zavi. True Zavi's that. running a tight ship. True. They told Fran to pack their shit and get out after that they cover did. mishap. They did, and I don't know if you noticed this or not either, but the is it the August release slate? Yeah, that just came out. The August releases that included Flatliners. Did you see that? Uh, I did. Well, I saw Flatliners yeah. get announced. So, so Arrow's announcement for August was Flatliners and I think one other movie. It was only two movies, maybe. And that seemed a little light for them. Yeah. And then I found somebody pointed to a tweet where um, so they were having a conversation saying for the next two months, August and September, it's going to be a little lighter because we're trying to tighten things up. We're trying to make sure that, you know, we get any issues corrected that, you know, may have been lingering for too long. You know, we're, we're kind of sick of it ourselves, all the displacements and so forth. Not that they'll never happen there. Of course they will always happen here or there, but we need to do some internal housekeeping. They said they'll be back in October with their usual slate of things. And they have, you know, they're super excited for whatever they've got coming up, all that stuff. But yeah. I mean, that's a good first step. Yeah. If that's the real reason. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, they they have to be eating costs left and right. They had to throw Fran's ass out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fran's salary. Yeah. He was, we need that to yeah. ship out all these replacement discs. Yeah. <laughs> 
So so a lot of a lot of shaking up going over there at Arrow slash Zabby. A lot going on. And then I got an email from Second Sight stating that The Witch is going to be delayed a little bit further out in June than was initially hoped because I guess, um, I don't want to say David Eggers. Is it David or Robert Eggers? Um, I think it's Nicole Eggert. Is it Nicole Eggert? Hold on, let me just look really quick. Charles in Charge fame. David Eggers. If there could possibly be He's any, a writer. any fame associated with Charles in Charge. Okay, David Eggers is a writer. I, I knew him from somewhere. Anyway, so Robert Eggers is doing the... Um, the HDR oversight of the HDR grade for that, for that release. And he just was able to get to it and finish it up. So they're saying, you know, now that it's done, now we'll have to push it out after we have to do our normal QC and all that stuff. So second site's a little different. Letting though. everyone know. Yeah. Why? Cause they're awesome. Yes. They're transparent and awesome and taking their time and communicating it. Uh, I, who would have a problem with that? Yeah. I would rather have that then every Arrow film I buy, I have to get a replacement disc on. Agreed, agreed. Damn near immediately. And some of the stuff that I've seen and I've actually owned from Second Sight has rivaled oh, yeah. packages that I've gotten from Arrow, so. Definitely. And then before we jump into the news, one last thing, our good friend Ray Liotta has passed. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I saw nearly enough coverage for Ray Liotta. Interesting. So I feel like I did. Did you? Yeah. I feel like he got buried. I feel like a lot of tragic things like took place like right around the same time he passed away and he just got buried at the bottom of everything. I saw a couple of nice posts from like uh, Lorraine Bracco and Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. I, I will say that. I feel like everything I saw was just Goodfellas, Goodfellas, yeah. Goodfellas. And the man was a great actor yeah. who, who was in tons of quality films. Obviously, Goodfellas is a perfect film. I mean, it's the the height of his filmography, but I mean, I always say watch something wild, please. If anyone out there has never seen something wild, I'll sell you on it this way. It's the movie that convinced Scorsese to cast him as Henry Hill. Enough said right there. <laughs> he terrified me. Yeah. he's terrifying in it. And if you've, you've seen the I, film, the first hour almost has a different tone until his character shows up. Yes. Then shit gets dark. <laughs> And he's incredible percent. in it. He's incredible in it. That's the first movie I ever saw with him in it. Once I saw Goodfellas, I said, oh, that's the guy from Something mm. Wild. And I, I agree with you 100%. In the very beginning, it's fun. Jeff Daniels, Melanie Griffith, they're having a little fun affair like around town or whatever. And then all mm. of a sudden he shows up and there's like robberies and people are getting the shit beat out of them. And there's like a yeah. killing at the end. Yeah. It's like Great fucking, film. it's an awesome movie. But And he's terrifying as shit. Those like ice blue eyes. He's got that kind of like pockmarked face a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, he just has that mean stare. Yeah. He's intense as shit. I think the first and and similar, the the first film, the earliest film I can recall watching with Ray Liotta, same experience was Unlawful Entry. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I've heard that, but I haven't seen it. It's with Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe where they're the married couple and he plays like this evil, corrupt cop who's destroying their life. Okay. And I saw this when it came out, I believe 91 or 92. So I'm like 10 years old, maybe. And it's a hard R. And he basically like something wild. He's a psychopath. Yeah. And yeah, he scared the hell out of me. He does that and, psychopath good, like really but well. But he does. But you know what? Dude? It, 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 it's not just being a psychopath. Henry Hill wasn't a psychopath. In, in no. Goodfellas, you know? No, no, no. Joe he, Pesci's crazier than sure. Henry Hill. No, he's a good actor. De Niro's crazier he than Henry Hill. that. He has a warmth well. to him too. I mean, even in, sure. if, if we want to stay on this genre of films, Blow. 
he he's the heart of that movie is the dad you feel terrible for him and like what he put up with and he dude he's a great actor it, it does suck that he passed yeah. away that yeah young. he does have warmth what was that corinna corinna with uh whoopi goldberg where he falls in love with her and he has a, like a little daughter or something what's it called anna corinna andre uh <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, now i gotta look no, it is. Is I, that what it's I, called? I know what you're talking. I've never seen it. I, I know what you mean, though. Um, yeah, Narc, I think Narc's an underrated movie. Narc. Yeah, Corinna, Corinna, Corinna. That's how you say it. Corinna, Corinna, 1994. Yeah, mm. he falls in love with Whoopi Goldberg. Great movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I was trying to rack my brain on all the all the Ray Liotta stuff that I had seen or watched um, outside of obviously Goodfellas because that's just like. Yeah. That's just what kind of always just stands out there. But I, I immediately think of something wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and, and, oh, and the other, the other one was, and he's not even really in it, but for whatever reason, I always think back to when he was in field of dreams. A lot of people do. Yeah. See, like, his, I don't remember uh, that, that movie was, that well. That was see, his breakout role. Cause something wild didn't like no. set the world on fire. Field of dreams. was a huge He's movie. in it a good amount though. I can't, I couldn't remember how I often I thought he, he was like a cameo. I saw that movie. One, nah, I no. saw that movie once, but I believe he plays, isn't he shoeless Joe Jackson? Like the main. Is that right? Yeah. Baseball guy who yeah, talks yeah. to him and all that. He's the first one he meets. That's what is yeah, that, is I think he he's like the main one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I, I don't like Kevin Costner. So I only saw it once as a child and. Sorry, sorry, Ray. Sorry to bring that. <laughs> sorry to bring that up. What was, is, what's your favorite Ray Liotta? Uh, Corinna, Corinna. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people that love Corinna, Corinna. No, I mean, listen, it's Goodfellas is a perfect movie. Yeah, it's. A, I, I, He's so young too. Damn. Yeah, I know, dude. Well, we just look at Goodfellas. Who would have guessed he would have gone before De Niro or yeah. Pesci? Yeah. Know? True. Or, or Paul Servino. Copland. Copland's great. I never saw it. Yeah, he's great. he's actually a little bit against typing that too. He's not at all out bad guy. He's like in the middle. He's kind of helping Stallone a little bit, but he's got issues on his own. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's one of those dudes. You go through his filmography, you're like, oh yeah, oh shit, he wasn't that. Oh yeah, 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 like great actor, great the, actor. The last, I think, the last thing that I saw him in was was it a year ago, two years ago? The Marriage Story, that Netflix movie with um, Scarlett Johansson and the Adam Noah Driver. Bombuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see he, it. He's, he's got a bit part in it. He's um, he's Adam Driver's lawyer, mm-hmm. like divorce lawyer, and he's awesome. Like he's like funny as shit. Like, like what a divorce lawyer type, you know, person you would think, like how he's trying to get the best for his client by, you know, painting them in the worst. Like this is what we're going to do. He's like scheming kind of a guy. And he's awesome. He's yeah. It was cool to see him crop up in something and be like a high note in this like little small movie we were watching. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. Hey. Fuck yeah. We miss you, Ray Liotta. Rest in peace. Well, we miss you. You ready to get in some blue news, Russ? Let's do it. Let's do it. There he is. Oh, 67. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, Field of Dreams. I guess they do. I mean, he's like scowling. Um, all right. He's scowling. So this week, <clears throat> we're going to be covering all the blue news up front. We're going to cover everything that was announced. We're going to talk about all the specs, all the dates, everything that we have, and all the releases that we think look good for that have been announced maybe over the past week or so, and what should be something that are it's interesting to look forward to in the coming months. And then when these uh, get released, we'll revisit them with maybe more of our thoughts on the movie itself. But for now, we'll just go through. Sure, sounds good. So the first one this week 
that um, is of any note. Actually, there's a lot. There's a lot of other ones that are out now too that just came out. The Warrior, Wild Things, Candyman, RoboCop, the TV show, Miami Connection, the Batman 4K, and all those Zavi Batman repackaged 4Ks that we discussed. They're all out this week. I received my uh, 4K Candyman. Did arrow. you? I, I, yeah, I picked that. What up. about Miami Connection 4K? Is that coming? I out? didn't receive it. You yet. didn't receive it yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's out. the one I ordered. I didn't go with the umbrella one. I ordered gotcha. the 4K. I, uh, I mean, who knows? Could be in my mailbox today for all. Of hmm. Well, out August 22nd on 4K Ultra HD from Zavi in partnership with Everything Blue is Rambo First Blood Part 1 Stallone, the movie. <laughs> Did I get it right? Now, Rambo Rambo First Blood. So the, the most surprising part of this to me <laughs> is the Everything Blue like reemergence, like yeah. being, just like being back from the dead. Um, and all of a sudden just kind of appearing here and doing the packaging and the artwork and everything for this Rambo release that Zavi's putting out. Yeah. Everything blue got Fran's job. Yeah. <laughs> they booted Fran and now here comes everything blue. I couldn't really find, and I hope they're watching this. I hope maybe they drop a comment or something. I couldn't find too much information other than back in since December of 2021, Everything Blue has been like slowly kind of getting integrated into the Zavi sort of world and that the rumor has it that they are now or a person from Everything Blue is now the head of packaging for the Hut group as a whole. Like not just Zavi, but everything that the Hut group is doing. Yeah, so, everything under that umbrella. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. that's pretty that's pretty awesome. I mean, that's a lot. Um, boss moves. It's boss moves. And we would love to know more. We would love an interview. We would love a comment. Just let us know what's going on. What What are you doing? But, I'll dress up as Carlito for it. <laughs> or Stallone. Whatever one you'd like. Um, you know, and I, and I, to be honest, when I first saw that they were doing the, the art and the box and everything here for Zavi, I did, and I'm just going to be completely honest, I did have a bit of a, like, a twinge just because how we've always regarded Zavi as being sort of this like Walmart of the hobby and they just kind of repackage and repackage and just mm. for the sake of it. And it kind of was like, why work with them? But then at the same time, I thought, well, maybe a big, a nice big change will come as a result and you'll have that great quality packaging that we all want to have that we haven't been getting through Zavi like lately. Like, I don't know. I think it's maybe so a great think thing. Everything blue is going to pick up the slack on that. I hope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I guess we'll see. Maybe they're starting off just with this Rambo one and maybe they're going to go from there. But if we start to get something of that quality and the people that were with this company are going to start advising Zavi on what materials to buy and how, mm -hmm. what things to provide. I mean, these releases are very close to what, everything blue was already doing like the ultimate one here. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a win for Zavi, obviously, because both of these companies were, you know, they, they were, what do you call it? Like they're, they're just repackaging. They're just merchandising. That's all either Zavi and everything blue kind of is. So now they're blended together and it's just going to be a good thing for everybody. I haven't seen any prices yet though. <laughs> haven't seen anything on what I uh, haven't seen what anything's going to cost. Mm. So I guess that'll be the only thing that we need to, to I, wait for. And I know we're going to hold off on our thoughts on the actual film itself, but can we discuss this title? Yes, there's, there's that irks me to know. And, and listen, I know it's always been a running joke that the Rambo series titles have been nonsensical, but Oh God, Rambo first blood, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, no, please. No, no I can't no. do it. This movie's called First Blood. That's it. It's called First Blood. That's the name of the movie. 
It's always been, and that's what it is. That's all the thoughts I have on it. Man. Uh, would you like to chime in? <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. That's why I made that joke in the beginning. It's like, it's dumb. I mean, and I know, and I get that Rambo 2 is first, like, what is it? First Blood Part 2 or Rambo Part 2 or something. It's got a ridiculous title as well. And I think they're trying to, I see what they're trying to do, but I don't like it. That's all the thoughts I've got. Well, yeah. Well, and I, well, here's the reason. It was based on a book. The book is really nothing like the movie. Stallone kind of made it more of an action film where the book is more a meditative, a yeah. Vietnam vet coming back who has no home in America anymore. Yeah. And and honestly, the first film stays relatively true to that concept, especially compared to the sequels, which go, <laughs> you know, Hot Shots Part Two isn't that far off. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what Rambo 2 is. Um and I don't even think the author was particularly proud of this. But all this is is, hey, let's build a franchise off of this, and yeah. we got to set the name up there. Yeah, it would be like if Die Hard, Die Hard Two came out. I was like John McClane, Die Hard, right? John McClane, Die Hard Three. <laughs> you know, after Die, like, just come on. I know, and I don't know if this has been going on for a while, and they're just following suit, or they are the first ones to I don't, kind of do I this. I believe this is the first time. Is correct this the first this, time? Correct this if we're wrong in the comments. I believe this is the first time I've ever seen it packaged this way, uh, literally with Rambo First Blood. I could yeah. be wrong, though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess we, we can dig into that, too. But as far as the release in general... It looks for Rambo fans. It looks incredible. Again, mm -hmm. this is coming from Everything Blue, so it's going to be good. The, every all the quality of everything is going to be great. Um, it's arriving in three different varieties. You can get this steelbook only. Then you can get what they're calling the slipcase only version, and then a collector's edition with and both. With yeah, so it's basically it's kind of hard to tell from some of these pictures exactly what some of the differences are because both of these look like they're coming with almost identically identical things, but it looks like the collector's version might have a couple of, um, uh, like a, a, maybe an extra booklet or two. There's like a patch here that I don't see on the other one. It looks like the slipcase version might be the sweet spot. I'm not sure it does have the other one has got some like other souvenirs, photos and envelope, I think to kind of put everything in. But uh, I think that the middle one seems like the way to go. Um, what are we thinking about the art here? I think it looks like Frank Stallone on the cover. I was going to say the same thing. Were you dude, really? I swear to you. I just thought this, of that. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I, he looks like Frank Stallone dude, on the cover. I, and I think the outer box, it's, it looks cool. I think the outer box looks cool. The the front, the back of it. But when you get to look at this steel book, is it, he doesn't, I mean, he either has too much hair or too <laughs> small of a head. Well, but he looks like Frank Stallone here. But to be fair, he looks like that in the movie. It's not that far off from what he looks like in the movie. He, dude, his but head I, looks a little out of proportion. Oh, uh, his head yeah. in the movie, his head's out of proportion. I mean, his head looks normal I mean, in this. Oh, come on. Stallone, yeah, he I looks say, a little I would funky. say his head's out of proportion a bit. I mean, he's, he's not necessarily a traditional looking. I'm sorry. Human that's, being. There's too much hair there. <laughs> they just needed to tone down the hair and his, his head looks like it's probably normal size. The hair looks like a bit much. It's like blown out, blown out or something. Yeah, man. That's Frank for you. That's Frank. Good old Frank. But yeah. Is this something that you're interested in picking up, Russ? No, not really. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not I don't a Rambo fan it. myself. I mean, we'll we can talk a little bit more about the movie yeah, later. In the but future, it's not a bad movie, but it's not something I feel the need to uh, like uh, pre-order day one. No, yeah, that's not it for me. Well, if you're a Rambo fan, get pumped! It's coming out August the 22nd. 
Again, this is going to be probably one of the better packages you've probably received from this company now that everything blue is involved. So definitely keep your eyes peeled. Uh, the collector's edition is pro is limited, I'm assuming, whereas the first two might be there for a little bit longer. But No um, features announced yet? No, it's probably all the same that's been with the with the disc before. Okay. Um, they, they're not typically putting anything like different on there. But I will say most of the everything re blue releases in the past did have a set amount like they always were 850 or 500 so yeah. i don't know how many they're going to produce for zabby they didn't give any numbers but i would assume that these are probably going to be a little bit limited sure um just announced yesterday is child's play in 4k from scream factory or shout factory whatever you like it's coming out august 16th in 4K Ultra HD, Child's Play, Child's Play 2, and Child's Play 3. You can get them individually or in one massive collector set. The massive collector set is, is limited to 4,000 pieces only. Uh, there haven't been any features announced, but they claim that there will be new features for 2 and 3 at least. Usually, as we've seen some of these Screen Factory releases that get re-put back out in 4K, they just kind of have the same stuff. I haven't seen too mm -hmm. much new but they're claiming two and three will have some new. Um, this Doesn't was surprise me on that. Yeah, and this actually, I saw. I, I kind of this is interesting because I saw that Scream Factory put this exact same sort of thing out um, in Blu-ray back in the day, including one, two, three. But they also gave you the original Nice Guy doll, but this one's burnt. And, you know, like from the end, which I think is kind of a cool, at least, mm -hmm. um, twist that they're giving you something new with this re-release. Um, that is cool. The, the old one, <clears throat> the old one had just like, it had, it had a bunch of great features and it had a commentary. It had a slip cover, a poster and all that kind of stuff. Um, and to that, that was like 2000 units at the time, but this one is, I guess, 4,000. So they're, they're kind of really up in their, their quantities here. Um, all three films, the first one has three discs. The second two have two. I guess that it's like 4K, a Blu-ray, and then like a bonus disc on that first one, and the other ones just have a 4K and a Blu-ray. Um, you're getting posters of the original artwork. You're getting new art. You're getting posters for the original and new artwork. You're getting different slipcases for two and three, pins, postcards, a charred good guy's doll. Um, I, I did not see a price at the moment, but I'm going to say it's over $200 probably really i would imagine for all that stuff how well what's what scale is the doll what size is um it? i don't know does it say here i don't know what size the doll is mm. oh there oh no it's a poster size five and a half inches tall so it might not be Maybe not. I You're not know. getting like a replica good guy doll. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Did you pick any of these up originally on Blu-ray? I own the whole series on Blu-ray. It, it's funny. I I owned the original Child's Play, the Scream Factory one, but then I bought that yellow box set, which I regretted immediately. And the reason why I bought it, I bought it without seeing the last entry at that point. It was right before the remake. And the last entry ruined what, in my opinion was the best horror franchise. Really? Yes. The I'd movie say. itself ruined the whole franchise. No, 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 no. It, it ruined, up until that point, it was, in my opinion, the best horror franchise. Oh, but just having I'm some not stinker saying, in there, then it's like, yes, okay, yes. now it's not the best. I'm movie. not saying that 
any child's play individually is better than say nightmare on elm street or halloween or anything but as a franchise i think this is the most consistent franchise and the only thing that bums or bugs me out about this is it's only one two and three you'd want the other ones i'd want bride of chucky i'd want seed uh oh and curse was surprisingly really good it was the last one Hmm. that cult that just went off the rails. There was a TV show too, wasn't there? Now there is as well, and that's why I'm saying that's why I said I'm not surprised that they can get the original people. One thing I think that kind of helped the series, and what I'm saying is that Don Mancini was has been with it from beginning right up to this TV show. Mm-hmm. He's been involved in all of them. He directed a lot of them. He didn't direct the original, but he wrote it. And so, like I said, I think his hand in it. And what's funny is. Even when Bride of Chucky happened and Seed of Chucky, where it's like, oh, now we got Tiffany and Jennifer Tilly, they all manage to connect back to the original if you keep watching them. Yeah. Like, they even bring, like, what her character, like, it's, they did a great job Is it- with the continuity. Mm-hmm. All of them are entertaining in their own right. I mean, three's a little weak, but even, I have a soft spot for it. I used to watch it a lot as a kid. Two is an excellent sequel. Two is almost better than one, and one I'd consider a horror classic. So, like I said, this is a strong series. Is um, Brad Dourif in all of them? Is, As he, the always, voice? is he always yes. the voice? He's, yes. They never lost him, right? No. The remake, I don't think used him, but I didn't watch the remake. Is he uh, on the TV show? I have no idea. I didn't hmm. watch the TV show either. Not Well, not only is he in everyone, his daughter is in... Um, curse the one i was saying is as good. a voice or just no as a character as a she's character. like a main character in it no kidding uh yeah dude i like i said i this is a beautiful set i just don't understand why i stop at three i mean it has to be a rights issues thing or maybe yeah i mean because because you think about it screen factory never put out bride or seed or any of them uh on blu-ray even yeah. so they must only own the rights of the first three well you're you're gonna have like whatever um, configuration that you want. You can get them singly, certain bundles. You can get the three together. You can get three with the pins. You can get the pins and the doll. You can get, I mean, I think it's cool that they're giving you all these extra slip cases too. Mm, They're giving you additional slip cases that go with this new art as well as posters for the new and old art. I think all that, I think that's, that's a good thing. I think to, you know, give people that want the original stuff, and then, but then have it. Yeah, I'm torn on it. If you're saying, if, if you're guessing $200, nah, I'm not doing that. You wouldn't get the whole package or would you just get the three of them? I, if this whole package, if I'm in a particular situation where I'm a little financially well off than I normally am, maybe that week, you know what I mean? You know, sometimes, hey, I got a little bit extra okay. cash. Here's the bills. prices. You ready? Oh, you got them. All right. I got them. them yep. So the one that we're looking at right here, the mega set that comes with everything, including the doll, the pins, all three and everything here. Two ten ninety three. Yeah, nope. Skipping it. If you want to get everything minus the pins and whatever, what are these three here? Uh, are these postcards? Cool. So, like so if you get rid of the postcards and the pins, you go down to one fifty three ninety, and that gives you all three movies, the extra slipcases, all the posters, and the doll. One fifty three ninety. No. <laughs> if you go down to just the movies, the extra slipcases, and the posters, not the pins, not the uh, postcards, and not the doll. Now we're at one thirteen ninety four. And currently, if you just want to buy Child's Play in four K only that one it's 39.98 
which seems really high to me. It does. Won't that drop? But won't these closer? will these other ones get dropped then too? I, do you? I think? don't think the full sets will drop that drastically. I'm sure child. I'm sure the solo releases will drop. So if you look, so the other two are at thirty six ninety eight. So that's thirty seven and thirty seven. That's seventy four plus say forty. That's one hundred and fourteen dollars for all three. So they're selling you essentially that for the bundle plus you get five posters. So that's how they're that's how they're rolling. I see. I, I got mean, you. And, You're probably right. And listen, it's really cool. Like if these are the only ones they have the rights to. Yeah. It, it seems like they're doing a bang up job with it. You're getting a lot of cool stuff. I'm just one of those people. It bugs me because I like some of the sequel. Most of the sequels past three. So to me, it feels incomplete. It's kind of like that Evil Dead scenario that didn't include Army of Darkness. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's nice, but it doesn't feel right. It's not for the true fan, because the true fan wants them all. This is for maybe the introductory fan that wants a bunch of extra stuff. Yeah, yeah. That likes to collect posters and things. Well, yeah. I tell you what, if it had all of them in there, I'd probably bite the bullet even at 200. Well, I think see. I would have if it had the entire, even if it had that god-awful remake that I won't watch, I probably would have bit the bullet and spent 200 on it. Well, this comes out August 16th. And around the time when this comes out, we'll come back and we'll talk about this again. We'll cover uh, the one of the greatest horror franchises of all time. And then at that <laughs> moment, when we cover it, you can let the audience know if, if I, you ended up yeah. buying it or not. So you got a couple of months to, to think about it. At least, I don't know about the uh, limited stuff, but 4,000 pieces. So act now, August 16th. Also, same day, Red Dawn in 4K, uh, Shout Factory is putting out. In something kind of similar where they're doing like yeah. pins and a poster. I, I feel like Shout Factory and Scream Factory, they're they're just focusing on releasing their back catalog in at, 4K now. At this I, point, yeah. I, I, what's the last... And they're going to give you pins to go with it. <laughs> Titans of Cult. That's where they're, they're biting Titans of Cult style now. Hey, we're going to charge you an extra $70 for a fucking pin. Well, here, the only thing I'll tell you is this. For this one is this was previously released by Shout Factory, like you said, back in 2017, but it was not labeled as a collector's edition. This one's labeled as a collector's edition, but there's no news on any feature. So I don't know what's on it. Uh, I heard Patrick Swayze came back to do a commentary. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg helped him. As a ghost. <laughs> yes. Very good, Matt. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so maybe some producer from the past comes back. Who knows? Who knows who's coming back? But you are getting a new 4K scan for all you Red Dawn fans. I'm not a Red Dawn fan. I've never seen it. I haven't either. So I don't know why I can say I'm not a fan, but I probably won't. See Although it. if, uh, what was her name? Oda May. Is Tom Cruise in it? Oda May. You're a ghost. <laughs> I know you own ghost. That, that better have made the questionable pickup segment. It didn't. Wow. But I do. What's it. her name? What's Will Be Goldberg's name? Oh, yes. If she did a commentary as Patrick Sweezy for Red Dawn. Do you mean Sam Point Wheat? Break, Roadhouse. <laughs> I would buy all of them. Did you mean Sam Wheat? Sure. Um, and, <laughs> and Molly? Yeah, Molly. Demi Moore's. Carl, that piece of shit. Demi Moore's bull haircut. That piece of shit, Carl. I always hated him. I always knew he sucked, even before they showed that he was the villain. Spoiler alert. He sucks as a director, too. That's right. He's a director, isn't he? anyway um <laughs> so moving right along red dawn 4k also same day august 16th russ definitely not gonna be picking that up me neither uh because patrick swayze couldn't make it for the special features but moving along to arrow coming out august 1st <laughs> uh back a few weeks they're putting out flatliners in 4k so it's out august 1st here august 2nd in the uk and it's just one of their like regular size editions where it's just, you know, there's nothing fancy with it. It's not a big box. There's no poster or anything. Mm. It's just, you know, fresh, 
fresh transfer, fresh features, all that stuff. Um, and I was actually kind of impressed um, in this scenario because they've they've got their you know 4K restoration from the original negative, approved by Jan de Bont himself, who I did not know was involved. I knew it was Schumacher, but I didn't know that Jan de Bont was involved. Um, and then. In addition, look at all these people. That are, there's new interviews with the screenwriter, Jan de Bont's coming back, a ch- some chief lighting technician, an assistant director, a production designer, art director, James Newton Howard, the composer, and a costume designer, and the person responsible for the transfer itself. All of those are individual interviews. So people are pumped to talk about Flatliners. You Flatliners fan? Never saw it. Me either. Actually, I saw a little bit of it on HBO and I, or something back in the day, and I just I don't think I got the gist. Watch, I'll catch hell in the comments for this, but uh, I I always got the impression this is one of those movies. I was like, who likes this? <laughs> I've never heard anyone be like, God damn, did you see Flatliners? You never saw Flatliners? Never in my life. I've never heard anyone like go hard on how great this movie I mean, is. I've always just felt this was kind of like a middle of the road movie that was passable kind of like most Joel Schumacher movies. I, I never got the vibe that there was anything particularly special about this. Even when it was remade, I was like, why? Like, where, where who is the demographic they to, to see their beloved it's, Flatliners it's, updated? It's the title. A title's a banger. Flatliners? That's that a is a dope title. title. It is Flatliners. a dope title. And it's a dope premise. It is. It and is. that's, and, that, that's and, what makes it crazy. I'm like... And it's, the cast. And, and it still feels middle think, of the road Think of all me. the cast. That's, think of the cast. I think the cast's the problem, honestly. Chris, Kevin Bacon? Yes. Not that they're bad. Julia Roberts? Not that they're bad. I think this is probably too much of a horror concept and... To horror fans, we don't care that Julia Roberts is in this movie. And I think that the casual fan who would watch a Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, Kiefer Sutherland movie, I know this is 1990, but in the 80s, they're not checking out movies like this. They're watching Pretty Woman. She has, she's got a baby, whatever the hell that movie was with Kevin Bacon. She's yeah, having a she's baby. She's having a baby. Uh, but Kiefer. Yeah, shit. Lost Boys is better. Joel Schumacher did that. Yeah. Well, this era Phone movies- booth is better. <laughs> and it's just his voice um i think this cover art looks pretty cool i mean in general i think it's an awesome it release it's a cool release like they it did does. a lot for this release so yeah. good on them and i don't know if there's gonna be somebody out there that picks this up because they like it or they just want to keep their error collection going but this seems like a good one no matter where your stance is yeah i don't know i wouldn't mind checking it out i just it, it, it literally right in the middle of the road i've never well hopefully hmm. they can get it right hopefully there's no disc replacement on this so um, the next one that I saw that I thought was kind of interesting is that they're putting out the original Friday the 13th in 4k. This is the first time that a Friday the 13th movie, um, is coming out in 4k in, I thought they did three in 4K. the U S did they do three in 4k? The 3d one. Maybe it was just a standard blue. No. Um, well this one's coming out September the 13th from Paramount and it's a, one movie, two cuts. Um, and I just, when I saw this, I was like, is this now like the time where we're going to start to double dipping in this arena? Because apparently there's already, the first four already have some 4K transfer out there that was used for the Blu-rays of the Shout Factory box set. Mm-hmm. So they've already got these transfers laying out there. So it's very plausible that Paramount's just going to throw out the first four and that be it. Um, but... You know, and so maybe the other ones will will slowly trickle out. But I wonder. Paramount also just put out their eight movie collection that not that long ago that we covered that was kind of stupid. And, and I just wonder if this is the beginning of the road of the double dips of Friday the Thirteenth, all the way to maybe some four K set down the road. What do your What do you think? 
Well, what was so special about the Scream Factory Friday the 13th release uh, of the complete collection, it's the rights issues. As you said, Paramount only owns, what, the first eight like, yeah. through mm-hmm. Man- uh, Manhattan, I believe? Yeah, it's just eight. And then it's New Line for a while. And then New Line's now owned by, I don't even know who owns New Line now. So, I mean, it happened before they worked it out. So you're right. I mean, I'm sure down the road they'll be able to work it out again. But you're damn right. It won't happen until it's milked to death. Yeah. And we get (laughs) initial releases, solo releases of all of them and about three collector's editions of the popular ones. And then we'll get a full set. Yeah. I mean, because we've just been talking about so much Scream Factory that's just basically repurposing their previous packaging. But I I, else. It's like, is this going to be something now that you're starting to see these 4K ones come out? I don't know. But like I said, I I believe that was like a one-time exclusive deal that they got to release all of them together. I don't think that's something they have. That's going to happen again anytime soon. Like, for instance, it's Paramount putting out this 4K release. It's not Scream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. That's what was so unique about that set. Gotcha. But you're right. I mean, when there's money to be made, I'm sure they'll figure out a way to... And where's Nightmare at at this point? I mean, they're re-releasing these yeah. now. It's like, come on. Nightmare's never received like a lavish box set on Blu-ray. I mean, they've been released in a box set, but it's it's Can you imagine the day that, that compared happens? to the Scream Factory Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween sets. Yeah. I mean, the Nightmare one is just an afterthought. Yeah, it is. Well, this is coming out uh, September thirteenth for anybody that wants the original in four K. But that's a Friday, I'm assuming. Um, that would be awesome if it was. I actually don't it has know. Has to be. September is that why they, they planned it that way? Let's see. September the thirteenth is a Tuesday. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you dropped the ball. Tuesday the thirteenth. What a dumb. That is come on, guys. You blew it. Um coming out also in September from Eureka, which is a movie, uh, the police story trilogy, which I just saw and you just saw police story. Had you just did you see police story for the first time when I when we watched it together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Hadn't seen this movie before until really recently, but Eureka's putting out a 4K box set of these films with Police Story, Police Story 2, and Police Story 3, Super Cop. And Super Cop, Super Cop is also receiving a standalone uh, with with this box set. You're going to get the 1, 2, 3 there, and then Police Police Story 3, Super Cop is getting its own you know release. Um, they're all getting, all, all of these movies are getting new 4K restorations, new Dolby Vision presentations, extended and theatrical versions, the US and Hong Kong versions, revised subtitles, new commentaries and featurettes, some being archival, um, and then a booklet, a, rever- a reverberable, a reversible sleeve, and, you know, a just a, a nice overall uh, package that all these movies come in. The art's a little weird, I'm not going to lie. I think it's, I like the yellow box, but Jackie Chan looks a little bizarre on the front. Basically, if you bought the Criterion Police Story 1 and 2 less than a year ago, fuck you. Yes, I was about to say Criterion, they're, I don't know, they're they're screwed again on on their uh, own titles, but, uh, but yeah. Hey, Criterion, they don't have disc replacement issues, but damn, they can't handle 4K. They sure cannot. Oh, wait, they have issues too. Citizen Kane, their very first 4K had yeah, issues. Was, what am I talking about? It was busted. This format's stupid. People seem to love uh, Super Cop. I never, I never. Wasn't that heard. released in America as just Super Cop? I think you're right. Yeah. Yep. I, I vaguely remember that title. And I'll take it a step further. You okay. know, you asked me, was that the first time I'd seen Police Story? Was yeah. the time we had watched it together? Yeah. That was the first Jackie Chan movie I'd oh, ever seen. Me too, I think. I never saw, even the American ones. I never watched Rush Hour. No, me neither. I never did either. So. And I dug it. 
I dug it. Yeah, it was it. fun. I dug it. I'd be interested to watch two and three. Yeah, it was fun. And I think this box set looks nice. I, I don't know too much about Eureka and what kind of quality stuff they put out, but they've they got their hands on this, and I think it looks nice. Eureka put out a really cool Fright Night special edition, and it was awesome because it was region-free at the time, and it yeah. had this whole feature-length documentary uh, that you could have bought separately, I believe, in America. It was called You're So Cool, Brewster. But that edition was really cool, and it was really cheap. Hmm. So... Eureka is good in my eyes based okay. on that memory alone. Well, maybe give this one a chance. Um, it's it's coming out in... Uh, let me see. I should have lost my date. Tuesday the 13th. Yeah, no. Uh, September the 26th. This box set is is coming out. <laughs> this one's coming out Friday the 13th. Yeah. Another... <laughs> I mean, this isn't like huge news or anything, but I for all you Halloween-like fans out there that have to have everything Halloween-related, Germany is putting out Halloween, the original Halloween in 4K in a media book. And they're put, they're like all these different MSM. They're doing all these different covers. I mean, I know a lot of people that collect these media books. You know, it's funny. There's a bunch of different ones. You just brought up Nightmare on Elm Street. I have the Nightmare on Elm Street German media book. Oh, that's really? The same exact as these. And they are nice. Are like, they? They are big. Like it oh, fits. It's huge, like, no, right? no, no, no. It fits in the shelf. Yeah. But it like barely fits tall it's, it's yeah. tall but yeah, not yeah. too I tall like enough that. to where you gotta like like that godfather bullshit yeah. you can actually fit it in there it's thick it, it's nice yes it's nice. nice 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 well halloween's getting that nice treatment couple cool art choices plus the original so you can decide but yeah that's coming out here shortly uh kino lorber they just keep on announcing just fun and quirky stuff but one of the, they're putting out three chuck norris movies in there really making it known. They didn't just kind of like throw one or two out and, you know, and that be it. But they're saying like, look, we're putting out three classic Chuck Norris films for the <laughs> world to see. A Force of One, Good Guys Wear Black, and The Octagon. I've never seen a single Chuck Norris movie. I just really think these art, this art is like, like look at this one. Look at Chuck's face. And I like how the... <laughs> he looks like the like, coach in Mysterious Skin on he that He kind of does. And like you see in his mirrored glasses, like what's going on. He does look like the coach. You're right. Um, the octagon, like, what the hell is this? Look at him here. And, a four, and is he the force of one? Is he naked in that triangle? Or is that Jennifer <laughs> O'Neill? I can't tell. But uh, but yeah, Chuck Norris, two, new 2K Masters. These are just Blu-ray for all you Chuck fans out there. Hey, you got to admit, though, Kino Lorber, they've been, uh, they've been getting they've been getting steady with their slipcases. They're very slip steady. Slipcases were never a big thing with Kino Lorber releases. But I've noticed recently, they're especially with 4K, they're, they're adding slips. I like it. In an early video that we did, like one of the first videos, I think I went off on Kino and just said they were complete crap and they don't do anything. There's never any features and, blah, mm. and I think you defended them. I did. I will go back on those words and say that they've definitely impressed me with 4K. what they're putting out, the 4K they're putting out, yeah. the slipcases, well, everything they're doing. The transfers are great. I think they're doing a solid job. I'll take it a step further. Take and their further. prices are reasonable. Always reasonable. Always. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Tropic Thunder they're putting out in 4K. Kino is? Kino. That's surprising. I thought that was too. There's no date on it, but they announced that they're going to be putting this out in 4K. I thought that'd be a bigger title. That I kind of felt that way about Eternal Sunshine also. That really? Kino. Yeah. yeah, that's them too. So, so yeah, a lot of those, a, a lot of these interesting, you know, these interesting movies are coming out. There's no details on this Tropic Thunder one, um, but they just keep throwing, they just keep it, throwing it, the heat. It better have the one commentary that it had on previous releases with Robert Downey Jr. still in character. <laughs> yeah, I th I, it is. It is. Dude, it's still there. That, I, that's, I think everyone was commenting on I bought on it, it just yeah. for that, and it's hilarious. It's great. 
the commentary is better than the movie. Well, he says that in the movie. He I know. Drop it, and that's why. It's and that's why I bought it. I was like, dude, that's hysterical that he says this in the movie, and they actually did it. He didn't break is, character. That is really commentary. Um, and I don't know anything about this movie, but I love this poster, and I just wanted to show it to you and tell me if you saw this before. So this is a Canon film, a movie from Canon Films, but it's Kino's putting it out. Okay. And it's called Number One with a Bullet. Have you heard that? No, I've never seen that. Billy D and Robert or David David Robert Carradine and Billy D look at this fucking poster. Look at Billy D with his shotgun like just pointed at the sky, like like that's something that anyone does. And then look at freaking <laughs> nerds here, just like with his bare hairy ass arms, with his cowboy boots on. Like this is just like I want a t shirt with this on it. Look at the, like Billy D. That's it's like Billy D. Stunt double jumping out of a thing. They've got it like still, so you can see that it's clearly not him. And then it's like whatever this a naked woman, dude. What is this movie? I don't know, but I want to watch it right now. Canon, good old Canon. Well, Keenan's Keenan Kino. They're putting it out. They're putting it out. So, um, Poltergeist 4K was also announced for all you uh, Poltergeist fans. It's going to come out in a uh, 40th anniversary like edition, whatever whatever that means. I don't know because it's Warner Brothers is putting it out. So who knows if they're doing anything different or special for it? But they're putting it out in 4K, and that would be something that I would be interested in picking up as well uh, when they finally get there. I don't know if I'd upgrade. I have that uh, Digibook. I do too. Version of it. I do too. Um, Via Vision Australia doing good things. I like Australia. They knock it out. I, I like Australia has a healthy physical media market going on. I, I agree. Feel. I agree. And a and robust it's physical very robust. media, especially Via Vision. <laughs> They've got that imprint label, but they themselves are going to take it to the next level. And they're putting out Caroline in the City, Russ. I saw this. And I, <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, dude, I know Matt has a thing for Leah Thompson. I almost texted you with this. It was like, dude, look. I know. I watched this show. I definitely watched it. And I mean, what the it's fuck, what, dude? If we're covering stuff like this on this channel. It's what you'd expect. I'm about to start going hard. We're going to be doing like the nanny. I mean, and, we're just going to skip over this. But I just wanted to show you because I thought it was funny. The uh, complete series on DVD. DVD, which DVD. we mentioned, is still thriving. Only certain things are getting released on DVD. Not 97 episodes are coming to you, Russ. Have you seen the entire show? I haven't. I have not. Oh, but okay. I've definitely watched it. I definitely watched it. <laughs> I definitely saw it. Look at her here. What, is she an artist in the show? She's a cartoonist. There is a difference. There is. She's a cartoonist. This is her <laughs> best friend who I think was... Is that was, Andy Dick? No, but I think <laughs> I think he was gay and her best friend. This was like her sort of love interest and this was her best uh, girlfriend. And yeah, whatever. She's in New York City, hence her sitting on a giant apple. So, uh, Caroline in the City. I want a shirt of that. I do too. Leah Thompson sitting one. on a giant apple. Let's get one. <laughs> Let's get one with hoodies. And what should the caption say? Uh, um, some kind of what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> some kind of apples. So this will actually be a good segue into our next segment, but I did want to close out our blue news for the week with a announcement, but no release date for the Top Gun in 4K two-pack. You're going to get the original Top Gun, and you're going to get the new Top Gun Maverick. These are coming in a two-pack, which I feel like is a good deal if you're into both of these movies, and or even the new one, or if you just want to blind buy that new one because it's just getting such great reviews. Uh, but it is coming out. I mean, this exists just to sell the first one to people who have seen the second one for the first time. Yes, yes. Have no idea that they're going to endure a gay volleyball. Yes, activity. correct. 
Um, the first one has already been released in 4K. Yeah, this isn't anything like revolutionary. It's already been out. Um, it was already fully remastered in 4K, HDR, Atmos. It had some old stuff, some features, whatever. Um, but I don't know. This is now going to be coming out soon, like you said, to capitalize on all the hype of Tom Cruise. So speaking of Tom Cruise. Mm. Never phones it in. I always love those jokes. Speaking like, of Tom say, Cruise. Say what you will about the man, but he always brings his A game. I always love those jokes about Tom Cruise. Well, he does bring his A game. Look at him here. He looks good. Um, with Tom Cruise basically saving the cinema, saving the heart and soul of the United States of America over this past Memorial Day weekend, bringing out countless young and old, which I think most people, I think that's actually a couple of headlines I've seen about Top Gun Maverick coming out. It was like Tom Cruise bought, brought the older crowd back to the theater. Cause it's just the younger crowd that's going to see Marvel and Batman and only the things that are normally getting churned out. Did it so do like, that? Well, I don't even know. It's I, I'll look it up as of now, but at the time when they were kind of calculating it, it's like not only the best release he's ever had, but might maybe even in the history of Memorial Day weekend. Really? Yeah. Because what, ah Memorial Day weekend yes. and it's oh okay I mean and what that what, was smart I didn't even put that together that it was released on Memorial Day weekend um Top Gun Maverick yeah box office so let's see the best yeah the best that can't be the best for him I mean I'm sure it is uh, like adjusted for inflation I doubt that's the best for him. He's had to there's no, it doesn't, there's no, there's nothing like hard facts that I can find other than just like 160 million domestic. I mean, that's, I mean, it's huge, yeah. but as far as like, what's this, you know, releasing as better or not, um, anything else that he's done. But, um, I mean, I know we talked about Tom Cruise not that long ago. And one of the things you said, was well, he's, he's basically become a stunt man and that's, what's getting people to the theater. And, and this is no different where he's basically become a jet pilot. But I, one of the things that I did read about Maverick which I mean, who knows what's real or what's not until you go see it and experience it for yourself, but that it's also a good movie aside from the I'm spectacle. And not only does it blow the first one out of the water, like was probably yeah. to be expected, but yeah. as far as plot, oh, no, and I'm sure it goes, blows the first one out of the water. First one sucks. Yeah. Like, so I think there's that there's those reviews coming out too, where people are like, okay, I don't just need to go see Tom Cruise fly jet, but this is also a cool movie too. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe and, not and that's not anti what i said about him of course dude the people who made the mission impossible movies i almost considered watching the one where stuntman ran up and down the building because brad bird made it mm -hmm. a very capable filmmaker mm -hmm. i'm sure those movies are good what i'm saying is just me and it's just me personally watching somebody who in my opinion was a yeah, for a movie star was a very good dramatic actor uh resign himself to as i said like selling these movies based on running up and down a building it just depresses me like i and i can't get even if the movie's good i can't get past that for some reason um well maybe the tide's gonna change now maybe this is gonna be something that <laughs> i'm not watching top gun too i mean i mean maybe I, I agree with exactly what you're saying and i'm not saying maybe the it's tide's not, changing for you but i think maybe the tide will change for people that feel the same way even if they don't put that fine point in, on it like you do because i think people feel the same way tom cruise is like yeah. a stuntman type person now and maybe they're not looking at the movie as much versus that but maybe now they will start to again. it's just a literal I don't know. it's a literal reflection of what's gone on in cinema where it's about spectacle over humanity. And he was good. I mean, you know, Jerry Maguire didn't require him 
to jump out of an airplane. True. Although it might have improved Jerry Maguire. But I'm just saying, like, it, it just makes me sad. I wonder and I don't, you... I can't get past it with these. I, I have no pro- Other people enjoying them. That's great. You know, uh, I, I'm not like shitting on them. It just, I'm not watching them. It makes me sad. Maybe he'll put out a non-spectacle movie. He's tried to. Which one? Once he kind of got his, you know, once Tropic Thunder happened and one of those Mission Impossible, he did like Lions for Lambs, I think it was called, him and Meryl Streep and all that. About two people saw it. Well, let's get there. Let's take a look. (laughs) Um, And now it's back to Jack Reacher. After that, it was like, nope, just the action. Yeah. I'll tell you (laughs) what, the smartest thing that I feel like he did for this Top Gun movie was not sell it out to streaming like because they filmed maverick in 2020 that's a gamble and and he gambled on it and i think honestly i feel like whether or not it's just tom being tom and doing his tom gambling type like you know visionary kind of thing or him and the director saying like look we have something special here and we want to hold it and hope that we're going to be able to put it out first off who directed it um his name was Tony Scott. No, no, no. It was, uh, he's the guy that he just did some other movie with. Oh, God, it sounds so... Joseph Kosinski, uh, who yeah. did... So let me... I'll answer your question for you. It was Tom Cruise who made that decision. Oh, he did the Oblivion movie with him. Yeah. Okay, Joseph okay. Kosinski And, and does, Tron Legacy. Joseph Kosinski does not have that sway to make the call on whether or not it goes to streaming or not. Tom Cruise might, but he does not. Trust me, if the studio wanted oh, yeah. it to stream and Tom Cruise wasn't in that movie... Mr. Kaczynski does not have a say. You're right. No, no, I agree with you. That was all Tom Cruise saying it, but I feel like they both realized. But it's a, it was smart. It was yeah. a good. Yeah, I'm sure he was with it. They both I mean, were like, I'm let's sure, not put this on each other. Dude, the whole industry is with it. They don't want to see the theaters. Uh, they don't want to see theaters collapse. They don't yeah. want to fucking debut on Netflix. Are you kidding me? Well, all the headlines say Blend Tom Cruise in with all the other bullshit content. I mean, no, well, and, and you know what? Uh, there's some truth to that, apparently, if that if this movie has legs. True. And there's some truth to that. And I'll give you another name, though. You know, and I swear, everyone laughs at me when I say this. James Cameron. What about him? Do not doubt those Avatar sequels. Oh, oh, oh. I will not doubt them. A lot of people are like, Avatar, who wants that? I've never even seen Avatar. I've heard people like, oh, it's been years and the movie sucked anyway. You watch. Those movies are going to be huge. Yeah. Every Avatar looked like a joke when it was coming out. Biggest movie of all time. It was like like a religious experience for people. Do not count out James Cameron. If there was one man who may 100% save the theatrical experience, I'm putting my money on that dude. And I agree with you in that he has been... Titanic. Dude, he's obviously a smart visionary type person who is probably doing the same thing that not in the same degree, but, but Tom like, Cruise he's gambling. He's gambling on, I'm putting every last resource I have into these movies because and I know. And he has resources. Yeah. That's the thing. He's somebody who's passionate about it and has the balls as he's done period. He's, he's always done it. He'll, and he always, wins. he always comes out on top. Wow. Do you remember that the production of Titanic was doomed? It went over budget. I, I still, to this day, own a movie line magazine I had in 1997 where the whole article was about this shit is going to bomb. It's everyone thinks it sucks, blah, blah, blah. Ended up becoming the highest grossing film yeah. of all time. James and then who beat him? James, James Cameron, Cameron beat, beat himself. himself. It's yeah. like, yo, bet on this man. He, I'm telling you, I won't watch him. But I'm rooting for him, and I'm rooting for Tom Cruise, and 
Unfortunately, I'm rooting for Top Gun too. It's probably a great movie. It sounds like it. Can't wait. I just I'd never, never liked the first one. So I. Well, in honor of Tom and in honor of him saving the <laughs> cinema, saving theaters, saving the movie going experience for young and old. Saving that little kid in Jerry Maguire. We thought that we could go through and see what Tom Cruise has been up to from the beginning. For people who only are like, oh, Tom Cruise Maverick, this is his first movie. Um, I don't know who this guy is. Let's let's see what, what he's been up to prior to. Um, I know he's in one of your favorite movies of all time and the first movie i saw him in was the outsiders that wasn't his first movie or actually no let me let me put let me go back the his the earliest movie of his i saw was the outsiders i didn't see taps or endless love uh same same yeah no it wasn't i think that's what you it wasn't the first movie no yeah but that's his earliest on his filmography i've seen is the outsiders yeah i'm not sure what the first movie of his was i saw but just looking here mine was risky business and and what's you this is a movie you've recommended to me countless times that i should see love it uh you will love it because you're clearly a cruise guy i know you like rebecca de mornay as well i'm a cruise guy it's the best teen movie ever made rated r Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Dude, do you know the plot? I do, but I was just making sure. It's like, this is like a teen movie ever made, best teen movie ever made, but it's like, it's adult. And I'm telling you, Dazed and Confused is one of my favorite movies of all time. I would rank Dazed and Confused above Risky Business, Mm -hmm. but I'd still say Risky Business is the best teen movie of all time. And it's because it treats teenager, it's serious. It's not, it doesn't talk down. It's not cute. It's not John Hughes. It's, it's a dude like just going through a lot of shit and a lot of pressure and it's real. Mm-hmm. It, it, even how outlandish being chased by Joe Pantoliano as Guido the killer pimp. It's funny and it sounds ridiculous, but like with the Tangerine Dream score and this early 80s, it's kind of dark looking. It just feels very adult, very mm-hmm. mature for a teen film. Okay. And I love that. I think that's why I respected it so much as a kid. You can feel it's not talking down to you at all it's a, it's a great movie man and that tangerine dream score to this day is one of my favorite soundtrack well the soundtrack had other shit on it as well but one of my favorite scores of all time like it's i can't there's nothing bad about that movie nothing oh, i gotta see this movie I mean, that's all that's a 1983 all right bob seeger kind of sucks so but that scene's iconic but all right yeah. maybe it has the one bad thing all the right moves. I don't. I never saw. I that. never saw. I, no, wait. I think I did it's see it because of Leo. I know that. That's why I'm like, oh, I think I do remember this now. Um, and then, and then, and then in 1985, it was Legend, which is so yeah. crazy. Like so soon after that, even was Top Gun, but Legend. No, but this is why I love Tom Cruise. Right? He blew up on Risky Business. What did he do after that? He worked with great filmmakers. He went to Ridley Scott. Then he went to his brother, Tony. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Martin fucking Scorsese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Barry Levinson, Oliver Stone. Like he did it for the art. He yeah. did it. He was a big star and he used his star power to work with creative minds who weren't just all about the spectacle and making money. And that's why I always respected him. He could have easily just did teeny bopper shit or whatever the hell would have been kind of like Johnny Depp. We talked about the same thing. Yeah. 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 Only Tom Cruise did it in a more straight man way, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you're right. I agree with that. Yeah. And legend was kind of a weird thing where, I mean, his acting chops weren't necessarily on display here. It was more the, atmosphere but the tangerine dream score in risky business is better than the, the tangerine, tangerine dream score in legend and i i like legend what about the top gun score 
You know, I just watched Top Gun for the first time. Is there time a score? All yesterday. I remember is Danger Zone and Take My Breath Away. Yeah. Do you know I found out I learned something new for the first time? What, that every Tony Scott sex scene has a blue filter and it's shadows? No, is that right? Do you think about True Romance, Top Gun? All of his sex scenes look the same. It's very, yeah, he likes it's that. It's blue and it's like they're silhouettes. That's <laughs> how he likes it. That's how he likes it. That's his fetish. <laughs> It's how honey, he makes love to his wife. How do you put on Get that blue, blue light neon on. light? Um, <laughs> it's a Kmart special. The, I I knew that I knew that Kenny Loggins didn't write Danger Zone. Like I knew that he didn't like compose it or write it or whatever. That he was just the voice that they got and he performed Big L it. Did. But I didn't know that Giorgio Moroder did. He's the person that wrote Danger Zone. Like he did all the the basically except for the lead guitar that's on there. That's some other person, but he did the programming of the drums, the synthesizers, the bum 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 bum. bum you can kind of hear he that now that you say that, dude. I blew my mind. It blew my mind that he's now the one that, that you made say that. that you're right. It's the guitar that fucks it all up. But yeah. now that you say that, yeah, that does sound like him. That's crazy. Because I'm thinking of like the Cat People soundtrack and all that, yeah. and like those synth sounds and those drum sounds. You're right, dude. It's so crazy. And then, oh man, and it's funny too. That. Like. Georgia Moroder writes this fucking thing, and then Stevie, Stevie, then Kenny Loggins comes over, sings it, and Legend. then it's like a Kevin, Kenny, Kenny Loggins hit. It's like, but he didn't do anything but perform it. Man, it's pretty wild. Put but some, anyway, put some respect on Kenny Loggins. Name. I love Kenny, and I love that performance. And Top Gun, watching it for the first time ever, I will say <laughs> that I was lukewarm on the whole thing. <laughs> um, I felt like, I'm, and I might be dumb, but I feel like I was even slightly confused by the plot itself and like what was kind of taking place. I actually also feel like the volleyball scene was less gratuitous than what had been made out in my mind that it was going to be. Well, it's, oh, it's gone. It's on and yeah, gone before you know it. Of course. But there is some butt slapping that happens and like some. Of course. It becomes, why was that there? Yeah. That's like, Dude, what, well, what was it there a for? A good example of this would be like if somebody told you about Lost Boys and like, hey, there's a greased up shirtless saxophone player. You're thinking like, man, he probably features heavily in this movie. It's like, no, it's just some cutaway scene yeah. real quick. That's it. The volleyball scene, it's just funny and tongue in cheek and people run with it. But yeah, you're right. It's not. And you know, it's not completely out there. You could take any 80s movie and find a scene that out of place. context kind of feels homosexual, you know, because there was such a bro camaraderie yeah, thing going on that. Yeah. What are you going to do? And I feel like even in my head, <laughs> Val Kilmer's character, Iceman, was made out to be like this super villain or dick of this movie. And he's actually not. He's actually pretty reasonable and a normal person. And I liked his performance, especially the part where he goes like this. And Tom Cruise, after he says something to him, he does like a bite. Yeah. Well, well, Val Kilmer. What is that? I forget why he said that. Tom Cruise says something to him and he just like bites at him. Val Kilmer didn't give a shit. He didn't want to be in the movie, really. He was all about art and all that. Is that was he about art? Yeah. He, well, Top Gun was not art. <laughs> Top Gun was not Hey, art. he worked with Tony Scott a handful of times afterwards, so yeah. he must have had a good experience. But I've heard him say, like, I don't think he was a fan of being in the movie. Yeah. Well, that was in 1986. And then right after is a movie I actually freaking love, which is The Color of Money. And you know that I really like The Hustler. Yeah. And I watched this movie afterwards because um, I'd always heard of The Color of Money, but I just never knew that it was a sequel to this Hustler movie that I had just watched. And I was like, holy shit, that's so wild. Now I'm so excited. I'm going to watch this thing. And it fucking loved it. It was so good. Mm. Tom Cruise, awesome in it. Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, awesome. Of course, the man, Paul Newman, awesome. But... I don't know. Did you, have you seen this? No. Color Money? Dude, it's so good. I'll check it out. And it's it's kind of the Tom Cruise I've seen era. The Hustler through you, so. 
And I mean, when you look at these characters, Rain Man, Cocktail, Color of Money, even Top Gun, they're all kind of the same cocky Tom Cruise guy, you know, sort of, sort of they are. Yeah. And he's that same person in here, but he's got a little bit more, he's a little bit more down to earth. Like he's cocky because he's a good pool player, but in terms of whatever else is going on around him, he's a little naive. He's not cocky and risky business. Oh, okay. Like he's being put through the ringer, and so that he's movie. just trying he's to go. He's just going through it, yeah. yeah. And yeah, he's not yeah. cocky and born on the Fourth of July. I was about to say <laughs> it's Ron Kovic. He's no, like, definitely not. Great but, movie. Yeah. I love Born on the Fourth of July. Well, if you go in order, I never saw Cocktail. Neither have I. That's why I was. Just yeah, but Rain, what about Rain Man? You're not a Rain Man fan. It's all right, dude. I love Rain Man, and it's got it's a girl right. in it. I don't even remember. Valeria Galina. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Valeria yeah. I saw it, you know, kind of like what you just said about Top Gun. I saw Rain Man once, and I saw it eh, maybe 10 years ago. So I didn't, like, see this as a child or anything. I and, love this movie. And I feel like you're the kind of person, and there's totally, it's probably totally valid, where you could probably watch this movie and laugh at it. Instead I didn't of laugh. Find it. No, no, I didn't I laugh. I mean, now. Dude, I saw it like 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Trust, I, I, I would have, okay. I would have found it funny 10 years ago. I didn't laugh. I okay. thought it was dumb. All right, it's, never a, mind. it's a good movie. I'm I take just that saying, back. I didn't like fall in love with it is all. It's a good movie for sure. What about Born on the 4th of July and Great. the sequel Born on the 5th of July? I didn't see Born on the 5th. <laughs> uh, it's more more July. Nah, year. Born on the 4th of July is a great movie. I never saw it. Great. I feel like we're going back and forth on which ones we have or have. I know. Seen. I it's funny. I was talking to uh, two of our fans. Who? I was talking to them on the side, and something. I was talking about how you and I tend to we gravitate towards the same things. We love like the same thing, but we tend to like I'll go this way with it, and you'll go that way. Diverge a little. Yeah. Uh, Born on the Fourth of July is great, man. I mean, it, it's exactly Sad. what you're expecting. It's Oliver Stone doing a Vietnam. You know, the guy went, he went there, well, I guess cocky, you yeah. know, he wanted to serve his country, came back, got spitted on, or spat on? Spat. 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 Uh, lost his ability to walk, you know, and it's about adjusting back in. He turns into basically an outspoken critic of the Vietnam War, and a true story. Mm -hmm. uh, climaxes with him, and this really happened, where him and his boys, his group, his, his squad... They interrupt, like, I believe it's the Democratic National Convention at one point. Uh, nah, it's good. He's great in it. Hmm. There's yeah. one scene where he's flipping out, like, because he has to move back home with his parents, you know, and all that. Yeah. He's in a wheelchair, and they're, like, yelling at each other. It, dude, it's... I've never seen it. He gives it his all, man. Is it a good... Um, did he get Did he get nominated or anything? He got this? nominated. Did he? Yeah. yeah, I remember wow. him being nominated, but he did not win. No. Well, it looks like then he jumped into Days of Thunder, back with Tony. Back with Tony. Never saw that one. Me neither. Who's he making love to in this one? Is this Kelly McGillis? It's Nicole Kidman. Nicole isn't it? Kidman. Which one's Kelly McGillis? Top Gun. You just watched it. Oh, wait. I was thinking Kelly Lynch. <laughs> what are you talking about? Kelly McGillis and Kelly Lynch. I was getting the two confused the other day. Um, that's right. Nicole Kidman. Right before Far and Away. So, yeah, I've never seen this movie. No. And Jerry Bruckheimer. I forgot about that. Wow. Well, and Carrie always. Bruckheimer was producing everything. Too. Bruckheimer produced Top Gun. Yeah, he did. He did all. He did all that. Tony Scott. Robert Duvall, Randy thing. Quaid, Carrie Elways. What a what a cast. It's why probably I, awesome. Why don't we watch it? <laughs> <I know. laughs> Jesus Christ. Cole Trickle, and he also co-wrote the story. Well, moving on to a movie that I have seen, and if you watch our questionable pickup video, you'll see me gush a little bit about this, which is Far and Away which is another Nicole Kidman a movie that he started with Nicole Kidman, which 
I mean, not to give too much away, I actually saw this in school. That's the reason why I even watched it in the first place, but liked it, and I've always been a fan of it. It's got a soundtrack predominantly featuring Enya, who is another artist I <laughs> really enjoy. So everything's just coming together for me on this. Um, and then we've got A Few Good Men, which is a movie I've only seen about like five years ago for the first time. I don't know why I watched it for the first time that long ago, or, or that not that long ago, but fucking love that too. Mm. Showed it to Russ, and he didn't like it as much. No. He liked uh, Jack Nicholson. That, I will say, that was um, one of the, that and Witches of Eastwick were the two movies that made me realize I think Jack Nicholson is my favorite actor. Yeah. That's... Because it's just so apparent. It's, dude, he's in the beginning. And he's in the end. He's got a middle guess, punctuation, too. That's it. Guess what the greatest parts of the movie are. Those moments where he's there. <laughs> the beginning and the end. Everything in between. And and there's a ton of great, like talented people yeah. in this movie. And he overshadows all of them while not even being in the scenes with them. Yeah. That's how fucking good Jack Nicholson is. He's good. He's good. And I watched a, I watched a clip from Kevin Pollack who was telling a story about the end courtroom scene where Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise are doing their famous thing. And, you know, they have to film Tom Cruise doing a few takes, but just facing him. And they film Jack Nicholson doing his takes. You know, they do two or three or whatever, just facing him. And usually when they're filming the other person, the other actor just kind of like mumbles the lines through just to kind of like get the other person to go. And I guess Jack Nicholson was like giving it 110% on every take, even when he wasn't even on camera and someone was like, someone stopped and was like, Jack, you know, you can, you don't have to go that hard or you, you can just do whatever. And he was like, I don't want to do a Jack Nicholson impression, but he said, when you've got writing like this, you know, I'm an actor. I love to act. And when you've got writing like this, I want to act the hell out of it. You know, basically like that's how he felt about all the roles that he took. Like he's an actor. He loves to act. You saw that in Batman. You saw dude, it in anger management. Dude, he just, <laughs> he just takes a role, <laughs> chews it up. And he acts the hell out of it because that's his passion. And it doesn't matter if he's on screen, not on screen, doing the take, not doing the take. Yeah. He's fucking doing his thing. Jack Nicholson, everyone. Agreed. All right, let's do his filmography. Next. Um, the Firm. I did not watch The Firm. Uh, no, I hate John Grisham. Yeah, I, I, that was just not up my alley. I don't think. A lawyer drama in 1993, I was not on board for that. Regardless of Ed Harris and Gene Hackman and Holly Hunter and Gene Triplehorn. Gary Busey? Hal now I'm Holbrook, interested. Hal Holbrook? Yeah, so uh, 1993. That was the only movie he did in 1993. Mitch McDear. Interview with a Vampire. Definitely saw. Yeah, I've seen that. He's great in it. He is. And it's funny, too, because Anne Rice was against it. The character's not written at all to be a Tom Cruise type. The dude's like Lurch in the book. He's tall and skinny and emaciated. Yeah. She was so like, oh, God, no, Tom Cruise. She saw the debut, you know, the opening night or whatever came out and said, I can't picture anyone else as the, as the yeah. character she wrote. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, that's the power of Tom Cruise. And even with that powdered wig on where he looks like a lady the whole movie, it's still uh, it's the power you know of Tom what? Cruise. I'm not saying it's like a great, great movie, but I've always loved the scene in that and I loved him in it. Where, uh, what is he? He like the one, like the slave girl. He, he like flips over the table and it's a coffin and he puts her in there and then puts the lid on and sits on it. And he's like talking to uh, maybe Brad Pitt or something. And then he pulls her back out and she's flipping out. He's like, oh, my dad, oh, my dad. Like, yes, you you must be dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, oh, it's like, dude, it's fucked up. <laughs> Interview with the He vampire. had a great balance of anger. Like he had a great balance of menace and just... 
I guess aristocracy, aristocratic. Whatever. Maybe he, I don't know. He was good. At he it. just have. He's just having fun with it. I mean, he he can. He his little. You know, this I, segment's gonna be three hours long. This is gonna be a long one. Um, <laughs> we should speed this up. <laughs> we start with Mission Impossible. The first Mission Impossible, 1996. Uh, Bri- I missed all the first three or four Mission Impossibles. I've never seen any of them. And Brian De Palma is one of my favorite filmmakers. And 1996 is about my cutoff point for Brian De Palma. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and then after that, it was Jerry Maguire, which I know, actually everyone, like that. Everyone loves. I like that, too. I thought that was really good. Again, it was not an action packed anything. It was just uh, I love Cruz, his acting chops. And it was a great drama, great romance. I know it's Cameron Crowe, uh, but this is like the least rock and roll movie of his. And yeah. I love how there's so much Seattle, like Jerry Cantrell's in one scene. The one dude's playing a Nirvana song on the guitar in one scene. Like, I liked all the little Seattle-esque things grunge whatever yeah. stuff in it yeah um i i mean i i think i've only seen this movie once or twice but i do and i don't i'm not really a big renee zellweger fan wedger fan wedger wedger i know so wedger um but but yeah no definitely solid movie and sometimes i forget it's cameron crow um eyes wide shut bizarre saw it i think at least twice i've seen this movie i don't know why I saw that's it the funny time. i've never seen it really it's a little strange and it, what's Kubrick and it's his last movie. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it's almost like I'm scared to watch it. I don't. Just doesn't feel like it's much to yeah, go off of. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out one day. That was sad. That was a sad one. Um, Magnolia. I have seen. I really enjoyed this movie. It's it feels a little self-indulgent. It's like three hours long. There's a lot going on. But damn if Tom Cruise is not friggin great in this movie and i think he got nominated for this too i could be wrong i'm pretty sure he but did. i think he did and he's like a motivational type speaker it's like a take no shit from anybody kind of person and just but there's a little bit more to him than that but it's still like what a great performance he yeah. put in that movie you seen this movie oh yeah, yeah what did you think of him in this great great fucking awesome him and <laughs> jason robard's it. last movie also and that's his yeah. dad and they had it like a, a you know they're acting together i mean he steals it yeah for sure for sure. Am I wrong and self-indulgent? How, how would you describe that movie? I feel like it's a little, there's like a lot going on. Yeah. No, you're right. I'd say that. Okay. Great. Um, Mission <laughs> I don't Impossible. Wanna, no, no. I mean like, I, it, it, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, there's right. other films and filmmakers I would accuse of being self-indulgent before Paul Thomas Anderson and, and Magnolia. But I, I see what you're saying. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. I see what on. you're yeah, saying. It's a little... I think he started to get less quirky after this movie. There's a lot of quirk going on in here. Mm. In some of the parts, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe I need to see it again. Dude, Fuck it me. was raining frogs the other day. Yeah, Mission Impossible 2. Again, no Mission Impossible. No, MI2. Love the soundtrack. We're going to get claimed if we put any songs on it. Love that. Um, then Vanilla <laughs> Sky. I kind of want to see the original, to be honest, but I never saw this this version with Tom Cruise and Cameron Crowe. We, we covered it for like a minute, I remember, yeah. and you disliked it. Mm. Not a fan. 2002, Minority Report. I get behind this movie. I enjoy this movie. I think this this is the first movie I saw Colin Farrell in, and I think he's freaking awesome in this too. Um, I don't know. It's a really interesting sci-fi movie. Tom Cruise is about who you'd expect in it flawed hero whatever but some good twists some good turns <laughs> i saw then, parts of it okay and not really my kind of movie uh i think it's actually from here on um the later 2000s and into where we're at now that things 
things take like weird turns for me with Tom Cruise, like movies that he picks or the roles that he's in. And then all of a sudden he just goes into full, you know, action overdrive. But like the last samurai, I always scratched my head on that one. I didn't see it, no. but I, I always kind of scratched my head on this. Um, collateral. I do really like yeah, collateral. Solid. Co- collateral was solid. Yep. That was solid for he's sure. He's solid in it too. He is. And I don't like Jamie Foxx at all, but he's, a, he's passable. What? Not as an actor. What? I know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not saying he's like, dude, I collateral, just collateral and Ray alone. Collateral. He's passable in. I didn't mind him. Ray. But now Jada Pinkett's in it and it's sour. Um, I don't even remember her in that. She's like the girl he's trying. Oh, that he picks up first yeah. in the cab. Yeah, hey, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, damn. She's the girl he like likes. And he, she's the last one on Tom Cruise's list. Yeah. Yeah, damn. I forgot all about that. The movie's awesome. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, War, War of the Worlds, I actually saw in the theater Terrible. in 2005. I was pumped to see it. I thought probably the first 50% of it I was on board with, and then it really started to go downhill for me, and I just ended up fizzling in my mind. But enjoy I mean, Tom I, Cruise. I, well, yeah, that's not Cruz's fault. Spielberg. I mean, we're talking about, yeah. oh, this is the time where Tom Cruise starts to fall off. Spielberg, Ben fell off. Yeah, true. Point, you know what I mean? Yeah, true. And Spielberg's heart at this point was just in doing historical pieces. And this is one, hey, let's get your name on this because you're the blockbuster guy. His heart wasn't in blockbusters anymore at this no. point. And it shows. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely it definitely did there. There it is. Lines for Lambs. Yes, the, so that's... Senator Jasper Irving. How could you forget Senator Jasper Irving? Look at him here. So wait, that was after Mission Impossible 3, which I also skipped in 2006. But right after that, the only movie he put out in 2007, Lions for Lambs with Paul or Paul or Robert Redford and Meryl Streep. You don't get more prestige <laughs> Look at seeking than that guy. Senator Jasper Irving. And then I think he did a great job at Tropic Thunder. I think that was one of the most unexpected things that people weren't, you know, seen, never saw that come. I mean, you could tell that that was him in that makeup, but when he was that character, I think people were kind of shocked at that because of probably Am the, I the only one who wasn't. I mean, I feel like it's because of the the profanity and the, the who yeah. the character was. Like you never saw Tom Cruise be that guy before. Have you? What was was there something before like that? Yeah, I've never seen him be that guy. It's just when I watched it, I to me Tom Cruise always seemed to have a sense of humor about himself, like yeah. in little skits on award shows. Like I always think of the Ben Stiller impression and him and going back and forth and all that. Like it didn't seem that Maybe. out of place. Like he's not an actor where I looked at like, oh my god, he's incapable of mocking himself. Yeah. Like it, he did a good job though. I'm with you. Like. It just didn't blow my mind the way I felt every it blew everyone else's. Well, I liked it. Thank you, Tom Cruise. Um, All right, I'm gonna sit back for night and day. Matt, you do your thing. <laughs> what about Valkyrie? I didn't watch that. I did shit. it. I wanted to see it, but I didn't see it. Was um, that Brian Singer? It was Brian Singer. Um, he was taking like a, a minute from a, a rape charge to to put this movie together. But night and day, I did see, and I did like Cameron Diaz. Tom Cruise, little fun action comedy film, as it's called here, little caper. Yeah. I liked it <clears throat> since they're like coming back together from Vanilla Sky reunion. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> that Al Pacino. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't own this movie. I never did, but I would consider watching it again. Um, I thought you owned Night and Day. I don't own Night and Didn't Day. Didn't you own that on DVD? Never. Never owned it. How did I know? What were you bragging about watching this to me 10 years ago? (laughs) Yes, I told you I watched it. I thought I saw it. I think there was a cool release that we looked at. Maybe. Um, And there's no cool release. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Mission Impossible, 2011. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. This is where I jumped on the Mission Impossible train. Um, this Mission Impossible... And I feel like, to me, all these Mission Impossible movies, they give off like a James Bond vibe at this point where mm. there's, you know, secret societies and double agents and cool contraptions and, you know, all kinds of weird shit, like awesome cars and all kinds of shit that's going on. It just feels very similar to that universe. Um, but this is where Tom Cruise started to do some stunts that were pretty, like, jaw-dropping. And in this one in particular, I have a very bad fear of heights. And the scene in this movie where he kind of like steps off into that building and he looks straight down the tallest building in the world or whatever. And you look straight down the way that they film that it feels like you're also looking down and it gives me like the creeps every freaking time. Um, and Tom Cruise is out there climbing on that building. And I mean, there's behind the scenes where you see how they're making sure that he's not going to die, but he's definitely out there doing all this stuff. And then from there on out, he starts to do even more and more, you know, outlandish things, as you mentioned. Have you considered Scientology to work on your fear of heights? I haven't, but I'm becoming more and more a Tom Cruise fan. I feel like this is part of... You're considering Scientology more? I am. I I feel like there's like subliminal messages that Tom Cruise has been feeding (laughs) me for years. And I'm going to get there. Um, You did watch Night and Day. I skipped Rock of Ages. I skipped Jack Reacher in 2012. I'm assuming you skipped both. Oh, for sure. Um, I did watch Oblivion. I thought the concept was kind of cool. I thought the the visuals were cool. And uh, Tom Cruise is doing his thing. As soon as Morgan Freeman showed up, it pissed me off. I hated it. And actually, the way the whole movie concluded, I thought was dumb. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I've seen nothing Okay. after this. So from here on out, yeah. It's, Tropic Thunder, I guess, was my last Tom Cruise movie. Wow. wow. Maybe Mission Impossible Part 2. Um, I never saw. So Oblivion, then Edge of Tomorrow, which we've already gushed on plenty. And then more Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Didn't see Jack Reacher never go back. The Mummy was a stinker. Did you watch it? I didn't watch. It. I just mean critically, uh, uh, fa- yeah. uh, who the fan, what the fan said. They pretty much abandoned the whole idea to do this new um, a cinematic universe for Universal Monsters. This was supposed to be the kickoff. Good. Tom Cruise was supposed to be the kickoff for this thing, and they abandoned it after it like bombed. So Tom Cruise sunk that franchise. They should have never started it in the first place. Like, who thought that was going to work? Sunk it. Oh, American Made. What Remember do we movie? own that we can do a multiverse like Marvel? He didn't do any stunts in this. This was a true story about him being like a drug um, smuggler who had an airplane, American Made, 2017. Doug Lyman. I guess he did that with uh, the Edge of Tomorrow director. Mm-hmm. Then you got another Mission Impossible. Now we're back to Top Gun Maverick. And then coming 2023 and 2024 will be Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2. And that's what Tom Cruise has been doing. We appreciate him. I do. Russ seems like he's over. <laughs> After that, Russ is like, I'm over Tom Cruise. I root for the guy. I just, I root for him, but just as a person. Yeah. I mean, look look at these movies towards the end. I'm, I'm not interested in it. You're not but. interested. You're not interested. Well, maybe he'll put something out again that you are interested in. Maybe Maverick will be good, but we do thank you, Tom Cruise, for everything that you've done. We hope that you keep on putting your life on the line to make movies and to try to get people back in the theaters that covid rant was sweet also that was i'm not being sarcastic that was badass 
I couldn't, yeah, I mean, and I almost felt like for a second people were going to try to spin that on him, like, oh, he's a diva on the set. But when you actually listen to the content of what he was telling exact people, opposite. it was like, you put these people in their place. Like, literally everything is on the line, the way and that people, he was mentioning. And you know what I didn't like about it either? They, they were referring to it like Tom Cruise, the actor. He's a producer, too. Yes, it's his He's movie. in charge of this set. And yeah. he's looking out for his crew members and his guys are like, his health. that's what he's lives. supposed to be doing. Yes. No Most one, people aren't that hands-on. Like, no. I give him a ton of respect for that yeah nobody there was no vaccines back then either there was nothing going on like he was trying to like on a wing and a prayer get this thing made so i agree good rant tom thank you again for keeping theaters alive um but moving on to some recent blu-ray news and 4k news something that's coming out uh the the week of the sixth let me see i think it's the I think it's the, yeah, the 6th, I believe this comes out. By the time this is airing on YouTube, it will already be out. And that's actually a movie I was really super, super pumped to see. I've been kind of hyping myself up to see it. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of hype online about it. And that is The Northman. With Francis McDormand? Not Nomadland, Russ, but oh. The Northman. Uh, and this is the Robert Eggers-directed sort of Bjork. I do remember you showing me this trailer. Yeah, Bjork. Okay. Bjork Now I remember what it is. Yeah, you got Nicole Kidman, Alexander Skarsgård, Anya Taylor-Joy's back cuz this is a Robert All Eggers. Right. I'm interested All now. Right. You, you, oh, it's got hey, Ethan it's got Hawk. a lot of people I love. Got Ethan, Ethan Hawk. Got yep. my man Ethan Hawk. I love Nicole Kidman. Yep. I love Bjork. Willem Dafoe's in it Willem for like Defoe, a hot second. Rocks. Yeah. It's got Alexander Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Um, Don't care about him. This is, <laughs> but everyone else. So for those that aren't aware, and Russ, I don't think you were even aware until we looked at this poster, but this is the guy that made the movie The Witch and The Lighthouse. So he's made, to this point, two very indie art house movies. But now this was his opportunity. I don't know if, if you know, he had been pursuing this for a while or this is something that the studios um, approached him with, but this is his, you know, time to put something out that is, a blockbuster, so to speak. Those other movies were in the theaters, sure. But this was his, this was like, like pitched to wider audiences. This is even by his own admission, like the closest thing to a movie he's ever put out where it's easy to follow. It's not like, I think he even said the lighthouse is barely a movie. Like as far as what's how coherent it is like this, you can easily follow, you know, and all that stuff while still trying to put a lot of attention to detail on everything like he does and try to provide a lot of atmosphere and, sort of blend together his sensibilities in that indie art house world with what the mainstream audiences are probably looking for. Like smash it all together. Sure. Northman. That's what we got here. So this is out this week on 4k ultra HD in a collector's edition, which I want to come back to in a second. Cause it's interesting that the studio is putting out a collector's edition. What does that even mean? Hmm. Um, so wait, is this a two four? This is not, this Ooh. is not universal. Put this uh, out. lighthouse was, wasn't it? Um, I know the, the witch, witch definitely was. was. I know the witch I'm definitely actually was. Actually, not sure about the lighthouse. I'm 90 percent sure yeah. the lighthouse was. Yeah. So this again is a, his stab at trying to make an epic for everyone to see. This clocks in at around two hours and 15 minutes. It is. I've seen. I saw this movie uh, a few days ago. It is his most straightforward movie to date, and um, and much like the witch, and much like the lighthouse, I think it does have a lot of atmosphere. There's a lot of attention to detail, mythology. You know, all the the Norse and Viking, you know, mythology and stuff. There's a lot paid attention to that production value, obviously cinematography 
the, the movie is visually stunning. You can watch the trailer and know like this guy knows how to put something together visually. You could see that with the witch and the lighthouse both, but this movie clearly the set pieces are great. Everything he's trying to do. It looks awesome. Um, kind of reminds me of that Ari Aster, Aster guy who, when you, if you saw like midsummer or whatever else, there's like a lot of attention to detail to all this like intricate, like the garb that everyone's wearing. Like, you know, there's like, everything's like sewn and like hung around. Like you can tell it's like a lot of attention to that kind of stuff. There's no difference here. Like a Game of Thrones put production. More attention to coherence. Yeah, true. But the production value here, all the costuming and everything, it's it's very, um, it's kind of you know up, up up the game here a little bit. It's like Dune. He did mention too that you know he do, he didn't have final cut on this, and he said that the studio did make him trim some things. Which in hindsight, in an interview that I read, he basically said it was probably for the best because they're trying to make a movie a lot of people want to see. I'm kind of butting against that a little bit, but I also want the same things that they want. So I made some concessions, but I'm okay with them. So I don't know if there's like deleted stuff maybe mm. on this, on this release, whatever, but that's kind that's of like, cool. he, he, it seems like he knows what's up and he's not like full of shit about it. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. So that's kind of the intro to this movie. Now I, I want to go through my thoughts and kind of share a little bit of a summary of what this movie was. I might go into spoiler territory a little bit, but I'll try to you know mention that before I do it. Um, my, my thoughts initially, having only seen this movie once, and I will say I would like to see it a second time, is that it was kind of middle of the road for me, for me personally. And I think my general thought, and I'll kind of explain why in a second, but my general thought is, like I said, he was trying to go for Blockbuster on one end and trying to go Art House on the other, try to sandwich it together and make something great. Mm-hmm. I don't think he succeeded. On either. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Like, I think nearly like the first hour of this movie was so by the numbers. It was so predictable and everything that from the, from the standpoint of, I need this movie to be accessible to audiences. Like every plot point you just saw coming, like this is going to happen. Then that happened. Yep. Saw that coming. Knew that was going to happen. It's just, I, I had seen it before, whether it be on game of Thrones, whether it be on the movie 300, whether it be in lion King, it didn't matter. There was so many, so many movies that had come before it that had done similar things now, again, this guy's got a vision and he can visually put something together. And I'm not saying he stole from any one person, but it's like for all the movies I've seen, I was kind of expecting to go into this and be kind of surprised and kind of blown away by this next iteration of what this director's capable of. And I kind of felt like bored, honestly, for the first hour. I felt mm. a little bored. And maybe and maybe that's me hyping it up too much. Maybe that's me wanting something more than what I deserve to get. I don't know. I mean, the, the intro scene where there's like a whole... Um, like a big raid on a town and you get to see like this guy in action. Like obviously it's shot. Well, it's one camera. It's like, it's one take. It's, you know, violent. It's all these things. Again, I've seen, I saw that in the Revenant, you know, like that opening scene of the Revenant reminded me a little bit of that, where there's just these types of theatrics, people falling hot off of high places or jumping really far. You know, there's like that kind of stuff that I just feel like I had seen before. So I was like, okay, show me something I hadn't seen. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. And, and maybe it was due to, like I said, the, the self-imposed will of the studio. Maybe it was my own hype. I, I'm not really sure. Um, but at a two-hour and 15-minute runtime, I, I feel like, again, in some ways, he was trying to take his time with certain things. Like, I want to really flip. Like, the Witch is 90 minutes long, and it feels two hours long because he wants to take his time with atmosphere and just long shots and all the stuff. It's like, with this two-hour, 15-minute two epic, I feel like there's not a lot of room or time to do that. And there were so many times where I felt like the movie just stopped dead in its tracks when finally some momentum was coming that it just didn't, it just didn't work. I only have one question about it. Honestly, how was Bjork? Bjork is in it for one scene. 
she just appears and then disappears. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny. I'm a fan of Bjork. Yeah. And she doesn't act much. And I'm a huge fan of Dancer in the Dark. And she's excellent in that. Yeah. Um, She is a, like a random seer or like a witch or someone that just materializes out of thin air and then like disappears. And I think that's one thing that I sort of wish I had known about this movie before going in is that this movie is based on a legend that like a pre-existing legend. Mm. And I'm looking at this like this is a faithful representation of Viking life, you know, and then all of a sudden a witch just like appears and I'm like, what is he hallucinating? Like, what am I watching? You know, like I, it's like as if you watch the Ten Commandments and you didn't know that was based on the Bible, you know, and like he just parts the seas when you thought this was a faithful representation to of be fair. The Bible you, is like folklore as well. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, to imagine you didn't know that. And you're like, someone told you like, this is like based on reality. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like he's parting the seas. It's like, there were certain oh, things okay. that I wish I knew, like not to expect there to be that level. Like he fights, like he has to like capture some legendary sword and he has to fight a, like an undead, sort of like warrior for it. And again, they show that I'm like, is this supposed to, is it really like, what I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm in my own head a little bit about it, but there's some things like that, like the Bjork character and things that kind of like took me out of it for a second that, you know, I think had I been thinking of it differently, maybe I'd have liked it a little bit more. Um, I also think this movie portrays itself one way in the trailer and it kind of seemed a little bit different to me. Like the movie is about revenge. He's trying to get revenge on this guy that killed his father. And the whole movie looks like it's just like some race to the finish line, but it's actually kind of slow. It's like he finds out where the guy is that killed his dad. Can we get another fucking story? Almost immediately. Yeah, well, that that's the story here. Well, it's the legend. It's the legend, Russ. It's the same um, thing with The Revenant. That was my problem with The Revenant. Yeah, that was it. Why am I watching three hours, which basically I'm just watching a stupid revenge story? Yes. Yeah, so like, come on. Well, he killed his anymore. son in The Revenant. And this, this guy kills his dad and then is immediately... Like he kills his dad to become king and then the guy's immediately banished and isn't king. He finds this out. He's like, oh, some guy like offhand is like, oh yeah, you remember that? He killed your dad for no reason. It's like, what? <laughs> like the guy, So then he goes to find this guy. He immediately finds him, immediately. And instead of immediately killing him, which he's been programming himself, like he's been saying this over and over, I must kill, I must revenge, I must avenge, like whatever. He's like, this is his mantra. As soon as he finds him, he's like, I can't kill him yet. It's destiny. I've got to wait for the right moment and the right thing, but I'm going to stalk him. I'm going to watch him. And he like becomes like a slave on his vill in his little village. So he can kind of watch him. I'm like, so now this movie is going to be him kind of like watching him from afar and not really get his revenge. Like certain things just really like slowed me down. Like me personally slowed me down. There was all kinds of things like that that happened. Nicole Kidman is in it. She's in it for one scene. I know Russ, I'm even boring you with this. <laughs> Russ is like, I've had one hour of sleep and I'm not going to watch the Northman. Nicole Kidman has one scene, which is incredible like and it's acting it's not like some cgi or some like action pack scene or something it's an acting scene that she delivers this monologue and it is freaking good um she's she's, she's really good. good she's always no, good. no she's really really good um so yeah i don't know there there's a lot of things that i mean like i said there there are to love about this movie the 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 concept itself is cool if you're even a fan of anything remotely related to some of those things I mentioned before, like 300 Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, you know, things like it that came before, you're going to love the the visuals and the action and the battles and all that kind of stuff. But I just feel like the content, the story was just not enough to keep me there. There was, like I said, I could go on probably, you haven't seen it, so you're just going to be like a sounding board. There's so many things I could say that I didn't like this and here's why I didn't like that. Um, so at the end, maybe... Maybe I didn't like this movie. I don't know. But I would so like to see it This is the worst again. film he's done so far. In my opinion, 
I mean, The Lighthouse really isn't a movie. Like, I did watch The Lighthouse, and I don't even know what I watched. At least I know what I saw here, and maybe this would be in the middle. It's possible this could be in the middle for me. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's... And, and I guess... Okay, here's the one spoiler. The one spoiler I will say. So, here comes a spoiler. The whole... The whole murder of his dad, the whole, you know, where he, he gets his dad gets killed and Nicole Kidman, who's his mom, gets taken away by this guy, too. And they go to live somewhere else. And he's been basically trying to find him this whole time when he finally finds the guy and he's stalking him and he's finally about to make his move. And he goes to rescue Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman says, like, I can't believe you're here. I, like, I've never wanted you anyway. Like you, I didn't want your father. We planned this whole thing for him to be killed. You were born not out of love. Like, I never wanted you. Like when your father had me and him, you know, I was raped. That's how this, like she like decimates this man. And then at this moment, you'd think like, okay, this whole revenge kind of is just like crumbling. You know, like, I guess that's it. And he has opportunity to then leave and do whatever else with some other like storylines that are going on. But he ends up, to follow his destiny and get this revenge anyway. And I, I, again, I kind of like felt, I kept falling off every time certain things happened in this movie. I was like, this just is so like, why? Like you just found all this stuff out. You don't just kill Nicole Kidman right now. He didn't, <laughs> you know, it's like, Nope, didn't kill her. Like still my mom. I still love you. And he just like leaves. And then he's still going to get revenge on this guy later. The, and it's like the final, the final battle arena where he has to fight this guy, the legendary sword that he needs to do it in this vital information that he has to get to do all, to put all this together, all of these things, all three of these very important things all exist on the tiny Island where the bad guy lives. Nice. It isn't until convenient, it's man. where the guy gets to the Island that he's like, finds the sword finds where he has got to do battle finds the info. And it's like, maybe this is all the way that it's supposed to be. Maybe it is his destiny that it's all there. But for me, just some things just weren't clicking. So I can't recommend the Northman at all. I wasn't going to watch it in the first place, but uh, I know you are a bigger fan of these style or this style of film. Hearing you say that just confirms I, I don't want to see it at all. Now. No, no. I mean, uh, I bet you it looks amazing in 4K. And if I had the opportunity to watch it in 4K, like streaming at some point, that might be the time I would check it out again. Because I bet you it does look incredible. And maybe that experience will be the second time now that I know what it is. I'll enjoy yeah. it a little bit more. Two hours and 15 minutes. Dude, the first 20 minutes of this movie is the whole build up to like, you know, um, uh, Ethan Hawke getting killed and all that stuff. That whole 20 minutes could have been a flashback. It literally could have just been a flashback. You could have started with Alexander Skarsgård here just going to town being an awesome Viking. And then they just flash back to what happened to him. They spend 20 minutes giving you this story, which honestly just like fizzles once it's over. None of these people ever come back or otherwise, not even Willem Dafoe. He, he's dead in the beginning too. It's like, fuck. Are there any pelts? Not enough pelts. Not enough pelts. That's my review. I think the only thing that I, <laughs> the, only, the last thing I just want to say is on this release, Universal's calling it a collector's edition, which I think is interesting given that what, what main studios are putting out collector's edition anythings anymore. I don't know what features will be on here. Maybe it's a ton of making of, which is why they're doing that. Cause Robert Eggers wants to get all of his info and his, everything he shot out there, but he wants to get his apology out there. He wants to let you know. I don't know. Listen, listen the studio did it. I want to keep working. So it's, it's okay. Dude, I understand I the reasons, know. but uh, 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 I feel uh, like it could be me. It could be me. It could be me going into it thinking I'm like going to get something that I wasn't going to get. So you could have a totally different experience. Everyone could. So give it a chance. It is a spectacle. It is an epic there's just nitpicks in the story that <laughs> there's just nitpicks in the story that I just wasn't with. So anyway, thumbs up, Russ, <laughs> let's go to something that you are a little bit more interested in. 
I'm sorry. I'm just tired today. You you sold that one beautifully. No, 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 I didn't. No, it's okay. It's well, okay. It's hard. Like it. It's hard to sell. Well, you didn't like it. Why I didn't. Sell it? I didn't. I didn't. But I wanted the people to know that it's out. It's worth checking out. It's a worthwhile director. I mean, the cast is really cool, and it's an interesting movie to watch. It just just fell flat for me personally. But Russ, I want to go into something that you are very Am I passionate odd for about. Finding Anya Taylor Joy attractive? Or no, is I think she considered she's considered attractive. I think she's cute. I think okay. she's got a very narrow, thin face. Maybe that's what it is. She's very narrow. Con- she's very thin. I've always been confused by it. I don't know, I think she's cute. I she's to good talk in this. To a, I needed to talk to another dude to figure. <laughs> you needed to talk to a man's man like me. So, Russ, what are you bringing to the audience here? Ah, I figured uh, for this segment, we'd go down memory lane. Okay. And I'm going to reminisce about some of the uh, celebrities I've met at conventions or, you know, screenings over the years and give a little bit of a backstory to some of these. And I'll, we'll, we'll be showing yeah. my autographed memorabilia. What's this first one? This first one is I went to a screening of Repo Man in Philadelphia where Alex Cox was present. Alex Cox is the writer, director of Repo Man. Uh, he also did Sid and Nancy, which is probably more recognizable. Repo Man is no slouch, though. But And uh, that one was fun because it wasn't a convention. It was at a small, it was at a bar, basically. They had a screen set up. Uh, do you know what Alex Cox looks like? Yeah, kind of weird. Oh, shit, you do. Most people, I would assume, do not, right? Kind of like messed up teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm sitting there. Everyone's getting in their seats. And I look over and I see him. Dude's just standing there. And it's clear, like, I don't think anybody knows who he is. Yeah. So I just walked up and started talking to him. And he was very personable, very nice to me. Um, And I didn't know exactly what to say to him. So I started talking about Sid and Nancy. Uh, my question for him, because I, I, Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols, John Lydon, he had always trashed that film. And he trashes everything, but he always trashed that film. But I had also heard that he was like a consultant in some ways. Like he was, he had visited the set while they were filming it. And, and you know, Rotten's a loud mouth. So I wanted to ask Alex Cox, like, hey, is that true? Like he hated you. He hates this movie. Alex Cox said uh, he was a very lovely man, very well-mannered and nice. He came down to the set for the day. We had lunch. Shit like that. And he's like, then I just read later that, oh, it's dog shit, bollocks. Wow. So what did you have him sign? Just his name? What does that say? Triple X up there? Uh, I didn't tell him to write that. He wrote that. He oh, asked okay. my name and then just, yeah, I wrote Triple X. I don't know. Nice. Uh, it's a cool poster. Yeah, it is. 11 by 17. I mean, this is a scan of it, but yeah. I have it framed at home. Wow. Awesome. But, but like, uh, I, I'm glad you pointed that out because a lot of what, what became a staple of mine would be to get these autographs and try to get the celebrities to write the most asinine quotes from their films ah. as possible. With Alex Cox, I wasn't even expecting to get an autograph or anything. Plus, he's, he's the filmmaker. He's not the one in the movie. Uh, although he has starred in some things. Was Emilio not... Estevez there that night? No, he was not. He was busy fil- filming Wisdom. Yeah, sure. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. <laughs> uh, oh, this is when I met the great Alex Winter. And this was before the third Bill and Ted. So there was no line. There's probably no line for him to this day. But uh, I walked right up to him. He was He was really nice. He was impressed that I watched his documentary on Napster. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think he was really happy about that. Again, I couldn't think of any real iconic lines. I, I, I So he, he suggested 69, dude. And I was like, perfect. And we went in the bathroom and we performed a 69 on each other. Class act. How much does that charge at the uh, <laughs> when you get up to him after the line at the booth? Alex Winter? Yeah, how much do you have to, to pay him to get a 69 in the booth? So what do we got next? Uh, coming up next, we've got oh, Billy Zane. God, this dude is nuts. This guy is exactly what you, he is. The, like the, what do you, Who he plays in Titanic, that is Billy Zane, man. This dude is weird. And so like when you, when you go to these things, first off, I'm a huge Demon Knight fan. So one of my favorite stupid lines in it that really means nothing, there's this small line where he goes, if it makes you feel good, do it. <laughs> like, All right, write that, please. He's like, sure. And he looked at me. He's like, what's your name? I was like, Russ. He's like, Rusty. And he starts writing. like, what? <laughs> and he's like, you want a photo? Yeah. And you know, you get out. Hey, can you hold this phone? And like, no, no. And he took my phone and like does this selfie shit with me. He's like, I'll see you later, Rusty. I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, dude. Classy. It's weird. Weird, weird. Thank you, Billy. For, for making us feel As, comfortable. He's a really cool dude, or whatever Zoolander said. <laughs> speaking of Tom. Speaking of Tom, I know this is a Tom. This is his week, man. He is he's on, on fire. fire. It's not Curtis Armstrong's week, though. No. And this one was depressing, dude. I went, when, the one when I met Curtis Armstrong, this was on a Sunday morning. Ooh. Which, if you've ever been to these weekend yeah. conventions, no ever, one shows up to Sunday morning. Everyone's burnt out. They want to leave. They want to go home. Curtis Armstrong, dude, I've never seen a man look more depressed in my life. I almost wanted to like, dude. I almost didn't even go up to him. He just his eyes were all sunken in, and uh, you like that? I mean, cool. <laughs> what do you want to write? I was like, well, do the quote from is this something he said to him. Oh yeah, literally in this scene, this is what he's saying to him uh, from Risky Business. And I always love that quote. Uh, and, and again, I try to do that because I, hey, dude, right, booger, right, we got Bush. You know, it's like I want to give something, yeah, a little different. Try to pep him up as, dude, you're you're not just booger. You're not a nerd. You were in this classic. He but was. He probably went home and killed himself anyway after. And who ah, do we have here, Russ? Miss Danielle Harris. Danielle Harris. By the time I met her, I was getting more comfortable with asking for. Uh, ludicrous <laughs> signings. If you'll pay attention here, she signed it. Russ, you're such a fuck up. I remember that from Halloween three. What Halloween was it, Russ? You, that you sent me those clips. Are you fucking kidding me? First of all, she's not in Halloween. What three. was it that you sent me that she's in? This is in the last Boy Scout. <laughs> is that what it was? I thought. Yeah. Who was the person that was in Halloween that you were telling me about that you sent me clips for? Hmm. Thought there was someone in one of the Halloween when we did all those Halloween segments. You sent me all those clips. And who what isn't? clips? Clips for Halloween to do. Like, the original? Yeah, when we did one, two, three, four, five last year. Oh. Who was in that? Where if I it? got you clips, she's in four and five. Wait, who was it? Daniel Harris is in Halloween four and that's five. That's what I meant. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying. I don't remember getting clips for that. You but did. yeah, she is. Those are the ones. Vindicated. No, no, no. But honestly, I'm a bigger fan of Last Boy Scout and in Living Color. Yes. Which, if you recall, there is one sketch, and it's it's Arsenio. It's yeah, Keenan yeah, doing yeah. Arsenio with drugs the kids one. on drugs. Yeah. yeah, and that's literally what I asked her. I was like, "What was it like on a living color?" Does she remember? <laughs> I didn't ask her about Halloween or anything. 
uh she was nice dude yeah. she was like no that was yes that was really great and i was like did you get that because like damon wayans on last boy scout and she just gave me like some generic answer like yeah, yeah. She probably didn't but she that. was like nice yeah. it, it, she she's been at doing this since she's a little kid she knows how to sell she can be phony and sell it very well and make you feel yeah like oh that was nice you know uh well you're such a no no us. complaints yeah, and she laughed at the fact that I asked her to write that. I mean, if you've seen Last Boy Scout, there's a ton of quotes from her I could have resorted to, but that that home. one just popped in my head at the moment. And then you took her home? Nah, she actually, I think her boyfriend is like her security. Watching you like a yeah. hawk. <laughs> Dude, no, I don't blame them. Think about the yeah. clientele that goes to horror movie yeah, conventions. Not good ones. A bunch of sweaty weirdos. Who have watched? Come on, like nah. This I is feel a self-report, and, and, and we'll <laughs> we'll 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 get on this soon with another actress. Okay, so here, tell me <laughs> tell me what we're looking at here, Russ. Uh, well, this is when this is <laughs> this is when you and I get Ernie Hudson canceled. Okay, Ernie Hudson, honestly, the coolest guy I met him and Anthony Michael Hall. I would say, and Heather Langenkamp are the three favorites of any celebrities I met, like in these scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernie Hudson, you know, everyone, Ghostbusters, and maybe The Crow. I'm like, dude, I want to talk to you about Hand the Rocks, The Cradle. And, of course, this scene in this movie, I loved this movie as a child, saw it when I was 10. This scene is, like, so evil, <laughs> what she says to him. Yes. And I, so I was like, you know, what do you want to write? And I said, well, could you write, (laughs) don't fuck with me, R word. And he didn't even like react negatively or positively. He's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) And I said, well, I have to ask you, I was like, two things. I was like, basketball diaries. You work with Leonardo DiCaprio. What did you think of that? Did you think he'd be what he was? And he just said, uh, you know, no, I didn't see how big he'd become, but he was like, he was a great guy. He was like, he was very talented, nothing but he had nothing positive things to say about Leonardo DiCaprio. I asked him about Rebecca de Mornay, but his literal words were, she was a nightmare, a t- <laughs> like a nightmare. Wow. And then he said, cause I asked him to sign this, right? He referred to this scene. And if you've seen the scene in this movie, she says this to him and she slaps him. That was not in the script. The slap wasn't. No, the slap was not in the script. It was she was not directed to do that. That was an improvisation. And his reaction is real because he was not He's expecting afraid. to get slapped. Yeah. And funny story, she's married at this time, right? Rebecca mm-hmm. de Mornay. He works with her husband. I don't know who her husband was, but they got divorced. He worked with her husband on some project years later. And uh <laughs> when he went up to you know, they just were making small talk or something. He told me like they both or no, the husband said to him, basically, like, I'm sorry you had to work with her. <laughs> and he was like, her, her own ex-husband said this. Like, yeah, I know that role. That's her in real life. That's not acting. And then that's the cradle. <laughs> I don't Listen, that's his experience. I don't know. But yeah. And he was saying it nice. He was kind of laughing and chuckling about it. It was just. But it was real. Like he, he wasn't bullshitting. Well, he very looks, down he to looks, earth. He looks terrified. Very down to earth. Like he was like talking to somebody at a bar or something with him. Like it was very cool. But you didn't ask for his number. I hear you sleep with a lot of people that go to these conventions, much like this lady. Uh, only Bruce Campbell. <laughs> no, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So 
Jennifer Rubin. Yes. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I'm in line to meet someone else. And this is all in the same room. My friend and I, we look over and there's no one in her line. And we see her going in her purse and pulling out a bottle and swigging it and putting it back in. And a lot of these people drink on there, but they're drinking like beer from the mm-hmm. hotel bar or something. She was, she was getting lit. Going in, yeah. She's like me in my old days. I was, I felt a kinship, right? And uh, so I was like, we're going over there next. She's wasted. <laughs> and there was no one in line. So I walk up. We took one picture you know, just like you do. Like yeah. she, she's like, nah, let's do that again. Let's do that again. That's wrong. It's wrong. Come here. Come here. And then she starts putting her arm around me and all this stuff. And she's like, nah, you still didn't get to get the right picture. Come on. Come on. And she's like putting her leg up. Like she was wasted, dude. And I'm kind of joking with her back. I got her to sign this. She threw me off guard by doing all that. I mean, come on. This is, I watched her on a tube television as a child. Yes. It was very surreal. And, <laughs> So I get her to, I didn't even have anything funny. I would just write in my dreams, I'm beautiful and bad, which is the biggest quote from nightmare three. And like, dude, I walked away. I didn't even pay her. She forgot to get the money. How much was it? How much was it going to be? I mean, well, this is years ago. It's a lot more expensive now. I'd say her at that point, probably 30 bucks or something. But like she was that, and and she didn't have anyone with her. She was enamored by you enamored hey man she looked all right in the crush no she looks good in nightmare three i like her look at her in this outfit she looks good there there but for the rest of the movie she's kind of well she's like a strung out drug addict isn't she that's usually my type man got it (laughs) and you've seen a lot of people from nightmare on elm street outside of her like everyone except for robert england you said i've never met robert england but pretty much every like cast member aside from him yes or wes craven i never got to meet wes craven um not yet (laughs) um moving right along The man, the John man, Carpenter. I want to bring this one up because as we, and I, this is a nice segue, we just talked about inflation, the prices, how it used to be such a cool, more fan. I imagine it, I, I always hear comic book collectors talk about this, how like Comic-Con used to be all about the, the love and the books. Now it's just a press run for Hollywood and all that. Like these conventions, when I met John Carpenter, ask me how much it costs to meet John Carpenter and get a picture and an autograph. It was 30 bucks. Yeah, that's good. Dude, that's, he ain't doing 30 bucks today. 100 at least, right? At least. At yeah. least. And it was so, you know, it was cool, man. I met him. I was like, oh, I love you know, Escape from New York. I, I was geeked out. Yeah, I, yeah, what yeah. do you say to John Carpenter? Nothing. You know, and he was nice. He shook my hand. And like, that's really cool. You know, blah, blah, blah. Nothing special, but I just like to highlight it based on it was that cheap. Yeah. And if anyone watching knows anything about conventions, John Carpenter today, he's going to be your headliner. And and he was the headliner then, but it was yeah. still only 30 bucks. Yeah, he doesn't roll out of bed for anything less than that. 100, 100 a shot here. And that's it. <laughs> and then who do we have here? Oh, no, no, no. You got to go back to oh, that. This, that was pretty funny. This other one? So this one I do. This is Kelly Jo Minter. And if you're unfamiliar with her, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, obviously, but she's also in Summer School. She's in Mask, uh, mm-hmm. the Cher one. Yep. She's in... Stand By uh, Me. Lean On Me, I mean. Stand By Me. Lean On yeah, Me. Yeah, Lean On Me. She's also in, as I've covered on this channel before, one of my favorite films of all time, House Party. Hmm. She's the one that actually started this idea of where I'm going to get celebrities to write outlandish quotes. 
I got her to sign it the first time and she wrote, it's all good, which I don't know. Maybe she says that in nightmare five. I have no clue. She was really cool too. She was impressed that I was bringing up like summer school and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, We walked away and we, and my, my friend and I we were laughing like, damn, she was really cool and down earth. And I thought about it. I was like, man, she's in this one small scene in house party. And it always makes me laugh. And the scene is Martin Lawrence tells play. She's in the car with play. And Martin Lawrence says, hey, man, you know, kick your bitch out the car and, you know, whatever. And she's like, bitch, who are you calling a bitch? Hey, if I'm a bitch, your mama's a bitch. It just makes me laugh. So we go back to her. We already paid. You know, she didn't, I said, I'm like, I'm sorry. I know I just met you. But can I ask you to write if I'm a bitch, your mom is a bitch? And she just started laughing hysterically. And she was like, sure. And then the friend who was with me, he was making her laugh too. He didn't pay nothing. He's like, let me get a picture with you. And she like, a picture with him. She was down to earth. Awesome. And I just love that she wrote that. And now we have the segment here and her to thank for it. We do. I miss her, man. She was in a few classics. God damn. Talk about intimidating. Meeting Malcolm McDowell. Uh, huge Clockwork Orange fan since I was a child. It, man, just that dude's eyes. I don't care. Yeah. Just looking at him, even in person. And he's an old man. But even looking at him in person, making eye contact with him, I was like, oh, whoa. I, I, had, a, I had doubt. I was like, I'm not going to ask him to write. I wanted him to write, uh, come and get one in the Yarbles if you've got any Yarbles. What he says to like Billy Boy, like the fight in the beginning yeah. of the movie. And it's really funny. So I got the courage up because I, I was doubting it because I'm like, man, he seems kind of. I was like, fuck it. Let me ask. And I say, so hey, would you mind writing? Get, get one in the Yarbles if you have any Yarbles. And he literally goes, <laughs> no. <laughs> Like that was literally his regular. <laughs> no, I will not write that. How about Vidi Well? <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. yes, sir. Yes. I appreciate that. Anything you want. <laughs> wow. Honestly, he was he was cool too, man. But it was just so the reaction. <laughs> no, <laughs> like just cut dead in its tracks. Like I am not entertaining your bullshit. I will write video well for you, just like I'm writing for every other person walking through this line. I write one thing, and that is it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, all right. So going to your Danielle Harris point, this is Shannon Elizabeth. Uh, I'm not even a big Shannon Elizabeth fan, but it was one of those like, wow, you're here. And I do. I am a fan of the original American Pie. I mm-hmm. think that's a very good movie. Um. Yeah, dude, I've never seen a person more uncomfortable in my life. Really? Dude, come on. I mean, she was like a sex symbol to all of these gross middle-aged horror fans that are swarming this enclosed space you are in. And, uh, you know, she did have some dudes there who were obviously like casual security. Yeah. But, yeah, she looked very disengaged. She like, disengaged. Yeah. And, and I didn't blame her. How did you handle it, Russ? What did you... I was just... You made her comfortable, Russ? I didn't. Were you swarming? I didn't. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> no. I didn't ask her. And actually, when I met her, my wife was with me, too. So uh, that, that probably No helps. swarming, then. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. I can, <laughs> I can keep my dick in my pants if my wife's around. No. No, uh, no. Nah, nah, but it was just... She was very <laughs> aloof. You know, and like I said, but I couldn't blame her because it just, 
I'll, t- I'll tell you what, dude. She was like skinny. Hmm. I'm talking like looked unhealthy skinny. Okay. And I know the camera adds 60 pounds, pounds. Yeah, in my case. I mean, I'm about what? Buck 10? At least. On YouTube, I look like a fat prick. <laughs> At least. Nah, but she was a sweetheart. She was nice. She was a sweetheart. Uh, it was just, I felt bad for her being in that circle. What did she write? I don't even know. All my love. Yeah. Shannon Elizabeth. You know what I mean? It was one of those awkward, like, I'm not going to make you anything. Sid Haig, man, the late great. I think the reason why I'm going to showcase this one is because he passed away damn near, like, I want to say it was a couple months after I did this. And what did he write? Uh, the bigger the pu- the bigger the cushion, the mm. sweeter the pushin, or the better the push- I don't know. Whatever he said in House of Thousand Corpses. Um, again, this was one. I had some other things, not even from Rob Zombie movies, which ugh, I-, I dig a House of Thousand Corpses for the most part. Devil's Rejects is actually a good movie. Everything else is trash. Uh, but you know, he came up in a lot of these black exploitation movies that I like. Yeah. Even if you watch Jackie Brown, he has a cameo in it because they threw him in there. He was in a ton of Pam Greer movies and I had things to kind of say, but when you got up to him, man, it's, it's so weird. You see these people, you see Captain Spaulding and it seems like he has all this energy and you're, they're cuts, yeah, you know, in yeah. between takes, he's probably sitting down like an Tired old man. Yeah. And that's what he was. He's just a very sweet old man. He didn't mind writing that, took the picture. It's It sucks when I heard he died and I kind of thought about that. He did seem, I mean, I not like I knew the man personally, mm-hmm. but he, he seemed tired. That day. He let him get back to very his nice. Puzzle. He was very cheap also. He didn't charge much and he was a big name. I mean, these Rob Zombie movies, he's the most, I'd say, recognizable or iconic kind of character and voice out of all those Rob Zombie movies that he did. Well, his wife just wanted him out of the house, I think. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy Wiseau, naked from at least the waist up, but maybe more. This was weird. I, all right. Meeting Tommy Wiseau. I went to a room screening. Uh, He shows up at these, you know, hosts them. You get to meet him. As long as you buy something, he'll sign like any of his products, any of his merchandise. Mm-hmm. He will sign something and take a picture with you and talk to you. I was prepared. I didn't. And it was funny. I only had the room on DVD at that time mm-hmm. and he was selling it on Blu-ray. Oh, and, you know, you got to upgrade with a film like that. You need the have best quality. To, have to upgrade. Right. Uh, dude, this was the weirdest shit in the world. And, like, it's one thing to meet Robert England. And another thing to meet Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? You yeah, see where yeah, I'm yeah. going here with yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is exactly what he is in that movie. Like, just the way he's, oh, hi, hi. hi yeah. You got the picture? I'll tag another one. He got, <laughs> ha, ha. He's like, look it over. Dude, it was so bizarre. It yeah. was, it'd be like hanging out with Warwick Davis as the leprechaun or something. Like, it's, it, it, it's like, dude, you are this, you're not a character. And, you know, it's, it's, he's a little, Strange, yeah, a little, a little strange a little in the room. So just to see that in real life, and <laughs> it was, yeah, it was crazy. And I'm a huge fan of the room, so it was, yeah, that was, it was bad. It says to Russ with, wait, to love. Russ, love, Tommy. <laughs> and of course, I picked this picture because it was, it was the most ridiculous eight by ten he had out there. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> Everything else was like from the room, like, nah, what's your shirtless? <laughs> I love shirtless, it. Shirtless uh, promo shot here. Well, 
Russ, thank you for sharing. Yeah, man. These exciting funny. stories of your time at these conventions and all the fun people you've met. Hey, we're all collectors, man. It's it's, stuff like, it's stuff like this. Yeah. If anybody out there, hey, if you guys enjoy this segment, I've got more. I just kind of touched the tip of the iceberg here with a few stories. Uh, let us know in the comments. Let us know if you want some more deep cuts from Russ's time at these fantastic conventions. Maybe we should go to a convention, Russ. Maybe we should show up there. I told you, dude, we need to set up a booth. We need to set up a booth. How many of you would? How many of you out there would come visit us at a booth? Say hello if we were at a convention in a town near you. Be honest. Three, four of you, five. Let us know. Um, but let's close out today with our recommendations of the week. And it <laughs> seems like this week's recommendations are brought to you by sex. Russ, would you like to talk about sex? Is this okay. when salt and pepper gets cued in? Get my release here. Get my recommendation. It's getting character. What did you decide to go with? Oh, you did decide to go with that one. Interesting. I thought you were going to go another route. No. Okay. I, I thought the theme was sex. But I thought you had two other sexy titles that you were thinking about bringing. Debbie Does Dallas wasn't on blue yet. Well, mysterious Skin and Happiness. They're sexy. Okay. But... <laughs> Would you uh, would you uh, like to I'm go first? Going first again? Would you like to or would you like me uh, to go first? No, I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. So the theme for our recommendations this week, uh, we decided on something I believe we all enjoy, sex. 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 Now, I'm going with a film called The Little Death. I have yet to reference this to anyone. No one's heard of it. I had it. You Nobody. showed it to me and I really enjoyed it, but I never heard of it. Nobody has heard of this movie. And everyone I've showed it to laughs their ass off. I mean, it is funny. Basic premise. It's, have you seen Love Actually? I have not. Neither have I. And the reason why I asked you, I get the impression that Love Actually is a series of vignettes, like love stories told through vignettes mm -hmm. with interchanging characters. That's exactly what this is. The only difference is this is good and it involves... Maybe kinks, let's say. Mm -hmm. So you have one couple in this film, uh, unmarried. They're, they start confiding in themselves what turns them on. What's their deepest, darkest desire? And the female character admits that she has a fantasy since she was younger about being raped. And so her boyfriend Sounds takes, deep. takes it upon himself to make his girl happy and figure out a way to fulfill her fantasy and it leads to a ton of shenanigans like oh you know he tries once and she's like i can tell it's you it smells like you so he has to try a different cologne but russ and rape isn't funny it manages how, how do they make it funny it man no, i don't oh, i'm gonna get there ah. okay I'm, I'm gonna get there for you man another vignette in this fantastic film involves a married couple who are having problems conceiving and it's suggested that when the female has an orgasm during sex, that is good for conception that, that, that ups the chances of conceiving. Uh, she's having trouble orgasming. Her partner's father passes away and he starts crying and she realizes she has a fetish. There's an actual word for it, but she has a fetish for watching a man cry. So <laughs> what she starts doing is, daily trying to upset him to the point of tears all the time his father just passed away 
So he'll go to work. She'll like start hanging up pictures of his dad around the house <laughs> just to get him to cry and then have sex with him. Uh, man, what's another story? That's, like, oh God, the greatest likes one. Likes to dress up. Thank and, like, you. Yes, the things. funniest one. And it's the dude, I, I don't know this actor's name, but I love him in this movie. He played Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, this story, to spice up this married couple's sex life, they decide to get into role-playing. And what happens is the man gets so into it, it becomes a craft. He starts going to acting classes. <laughs> he starts buying video equipment and setting up sets and all this. Yeah. And it's great. There's another one, too, that involves uh, sign language and between two deaf people. But anyway, to get back to your point, yes, all of this is very dark humor. Very dark humor. This movie is sweet. Mm-hmm. You got that impression too. Yeah, didn't you? Even you feel good at the end of this. You can't movie. describe a two people that have a rape fetish and not feel like that seems weird. But then when you and watch how it, it's it unfolds like like not what you would expect. No, I guess I don't know no. how to say it without spoiling anything. Without it does. and it's without sweet. spoiling You're right. You're that right. and without spoiling that particular storyline, how it ends is very sweet, and You're it's right. about how much he loves her and he wants to make her happy by fulfilling his fantasy, and the whole movie. For me, that's a very tough, tough act to balance. You're dealing with these dark subjects. Like you said, who finds rape funny? Right. And yet you manage not only to make it funny, but endearing. Yes. And sweet. <laughs> Some weird way. Yes. Yes. Like, I can't stress to you enough. This movie, I've seen it more than once. I still laugh every time. I've shown this, I don't know, maybe six people now off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. All of them laugh out loud during this movie. It is the perfect date movie. I can go. Opinion. I can get along with that because it's funny for both. Like it's yeah. got enough. It's the dark humor. If you're a person like me, it's sweet enough for like if your partner is maybe not as fucked up in the head like I am, they'll like it too. I have nothing but great things to say. Blind, just blind buy it, stream it. It was an Australian film, not too long ago. I want to say it came out. In it's two, recent. Yeah, I yeah. Remember. It came out in like 2015. Yeah. Uh. Shit, go ahead and just buy it. I think it's on Amazon now. Well, I picked it up. It was like $6.99. Well worth the purchase. Can't recommend it enough, dude. Just a awesome, awesome, fun, romantic comedy. Who who would have thought I was going to come here and recommend a romantic comedy? I never thought you were going to recommend a romantic comedy to me in my life. And you did. And I liked it. <laughs> I honestly, I, I back up everything you're saying. I yeah. feel the same way about all of it. I wasn't sure what to expect. I don't know that I even had heard of that movie. I might have saw a trailer or something, but I had no really clue about what it was. You, you know, it's funny how I saw it. Apparently, I did the same thing. Apparently, I had read something about it. I had downloaded it. It was sitting on a hard drive for years, right? I wanted to watch something one night. I go to this hard drive and I see The Little Death. I'm thinking it's a horror movie. <laughs> I kid yeah. you not. So I put it on like, all right, let me watch a dumb horror movie. And it starts off and I'm laughing. I'm like, wait, this is, what is this? Yeah. And, I, and I stuck with it. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. It was. It was very funny. It was, very, it was, it was really funny. Great, it, a great little gem as well. It is. It's a underseen gem. gem. This is, like I said, this is what I think the segment should be. I want people to check this out. You will not be disappointed. I promise. The Russ pick of the week. The Little Death. The Little Death. Well, thank you. What do you have? Thank you, Russ. I agree. I think that's an awesome movie and okay, worthy of this sex segment. I also have a movie that is um, predominantly based around sex. I think there's some other subtext going on in terms of the story, but it, there's a lot of sex going on too. And it is a movie called 
the untamed. Camera one, camera two, camera one, camera two. Um, and this is a Spanish language film uh, called, uh, again, called The Untamed. And this is what it says on the box. Intoxicating, unforgettable, a sci-fi <laughs> sexual drama that will blow your mind. One of the most wild films of the year. And it is pretty true that this is this movie's unlike anything I've ever seen. And that's, that's what I like. I feel like more and more, when it comes to watching movies that are new, and not revisiting movies that I've loved or trying to watch a new classic movie for the first time. Like I feel like movies that are new just always seem to fit the Northman we just talked about. Just things just aren't impressing me anymore. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it doesn't seem fresh. It's, it's not moving me. I need something to kind of like spark a little bit inside, like, like a movie that makes you laugh out of nowhere. Yeah. A movie like this that really pushes the boundaries of, uh, like, I don't even know what it pushes the boundaries of. To be honest, this movie is just so out there. I'll try to set it up. Best I can. Yeah. I'll try to set it up best I can. Um, on its face, it's a movie about an alien that has come to earth that you don't really see, but it is housed in a cabin that a weird scientist guy sort of owns. And he's sort of like taking notes on it and he's trying to study it or whatever. But it just so happens that this alien can either give you the most, uh, utmost pleasure of your life, or it could downright kill you. It can kind of give either one. It's like, you know, pain or pleasure. You don't know which one it's going to give, but it can give either one the best pleasure you've ever had or possibly hurt you to the point of death. And this guy is, you know, kind of, like I said, taking notes on it. Meanwhile, there are people that are visiting this cabin and spending time with this alien in a very sexual manner. And they are having this life changing experience and it's, it's like reinvigorating them and all this kind of stuff. But then it starts to tend to lead a little deadly. And, you know, the story is kind of about that in general. There is a main character who, is kind of, you know, fed up with her life. Her husband's awful. She's stressed out. She's got kids. Like, there's just way too much going on for her. And then she discovers this thing that basically, again, like, awakens her. And I think there's a lot more to this movie than just alien has sex with people. But mm. it is a lot of that on its face. And the way that those encounters happen at first are not in view. And then they slowly start to show you a little bit more until there's one moment where they kind of show you everything in full view. And it is just so utterly strange, bizarre yet erotic at the same time. It's such like a weird thing to describe unless you see it where you're kind of like turned on, but you don't want to be, or you don't know why you are, but it's just, it just all works like that. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that movie splice <laughs> where there's like half woman, half, like beast and she's uh, kind of sexy at the same time and you're like this kind of feels weird her, her name's adrian brody thank you um <laughs> but but something very similar but this movie is like i don't know it's it feels strange it feels uncomfortable um all at once but it, it was very compelling to me i've always really enjoyed it and i've shown it like russ mentioned with his pick i've shown it to <clears> a lot of people not for the shock value, because I think there's more to this movie besides the shocking nature that sometimes there is. It is a movie about sexuality at its core, whether it's homosexuality, heterosexuality, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man, what it means to express yourself. Like all of these things are subtly in there. But when you just watch it for the first time, you are just taken aback by, I feel like, the visceral nature of what the visual is. But again, it's a wild ass movie. This Blu-ray itself has an hour long documentary on it where the director goes through explaining how he made the movie. All the visual stuff is all, you know, tapped into. So if you do see this and you're interested to see how they made it or what they did, that's all included as well. I don't want to spoil too much about what or how the alien operates until you actually see it. But just the cover of this poster alone or the cover of this box alone is a woman 
on like a bed staring at something that she looks terrified of. Like that's the cover. So, I mean, that's what you're getting yourself into with this movie. So a little bit different than Hands on a Hard Body. Not the feel good, you know, um, movie that we all need right now, but maybe it's this is the sexy movie that we all need right now. Russ, you've seen this. What's your take? Am I am I explaining this properly? No, I think you nailed it. I also think um, before I had seen it, you had you had spoken about it, and I so I knew the premise a little more. And, and you were going on. You mentioned it here too about it being uh, hard to not hard to watch. What was your word? You're saying it's just intense. It's, visually? It's, yeah, it's really yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's it can be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Maybe. I, maybe it's because I was prepped for it. I didn't really feel that. But one thing I did feel. And that's what you just touched on. I felt more of a human story in it, mm-hmm. especially with the sexuality aspects and all that. Yeah, I was. I I liked this movie. I thought it was really good. Um, deeper than I was expecting. I was expecting more of a, like you said, almost shock value, shock. Sh- yeah, yeah, or like comedic or anything. But there's a point. Yeah, and I, and I dug it. I, I really liked it. There is, and and it's very ominous. There is a lot of atmosphere. The the alien aspect of it is on screen very briefly. It's always present, but what you see is brief. So like Russ mentioned, it's like a very human story about some people's family lives that are going on and some little, you know, just dramatic things that are happening within these characters. And But the sci-fi elements do, you know, sort of punctuate it as it goes along. Good pacing, too, from what I remember. I feel like movies like this tend to go, especially in the modern age, like you were just talking about The Northman being over two hours. Right. I don't think this was over two hours, was it? No, I was just trying to look at the the runtime. Yeah, it had great pacing for a movie like this. It doesn't wear out its welcome. Yeah, it doesn't say the runtime on here. I was hoping to find it. I don't see. Yeah, it's it's like it was it's it's like ninety hours. minutes. Yeah, it's like ninety minutes or yeah. less. So it's it's like yeah, it's like perfect, perfect little movie. And I'm excited to see what this guy does next. I haven't seen or heard about any of his next movies, but this movie was definitely enough to put him on my radar. Was and that his debut? I think it was. Wow. I think it was. So That's a strong debut. Yeah. So that's the Matt pick of the week, The Untamed. And uh, Russ, I think that's all we got for the week. You got anything else you wanted to share with the people at home? Well, I just want to let everyone know, as a man, I finally feel free now that Johnny Depp has put all women in their place. <laughs> <laughs>